You look over on the other side for Matt Shimano. This is a guy hasn't had a touchback since the very first game of his true freshman season against Georgia Tech. He's 42, yeah, 42.7 yards per punt last year with a long of 65, and about 20% of his attempts went for over 50 yards, 8 of 61. Actually, I don't think that's correct at all. 8 of 61? <laughs> nah. <laughs> Not quite. It's more, it's more, it. that's, that's more like 14%, but either way, eight of his 61 attempts went for more than 50 yards. We'll see if you can improve all that this year. I didn't major in math. I majored in editing, writing, and media. So, And it took him eight years to do that. So. Six and a half. Hey, guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, a.k.a. E-Dub in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. Go live, go nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, go nose. This is Terrell Fuckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Dion Primetime Sanders. Great Dion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I could, I could wake up to that greeting every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go Nose. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What is happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson. Here's the Spear, presented to you by NoGameDay.com. We are here on a fantastic, beautiful Monday evening. It's football season, baby. Football season has arrived in Tallahassee. It is fall camp week. Mike Norvell and the Florida State Seminoles will be taking the field on Wednesday. Tomorrow, we will be there for the first press conference of the season with Coach Norvell, along with being able to talk with some assistants at the media luncheon. It feels good. We're here. The 2022 football season has arrived earlier than most colleges across the country, so things get going quicker. And I'm all here for it. So with me this evening is Dustin Lewis, our lead, or should I say editor-in-chief, Dustin Lewis up top right with me. And then down below is our lead basketball writer, Austin VZ. Gentlemen, we have made it. The offseason is a wrap. Goodbye, summer, and get ready for what should be an interesting, very interesting next five months here in Tallahassee. Definitely. Excited to jump into it. And, you know, tomorrow we'll be out there at the media luncheon to get some quotes from Norvell and some other coaches. And then on Wednesday, you're going right into day one of fall practice. And from there, 20 practices in 25 days. It's it's going to be quite the haul for Florida State. And you ended off in, you know, about four weeks going into Duquesne game week. And from there, you know, it just it all gets started. You excited, VZ? No. Summer's over. (laughs) Summer's over. (laughs) You ready? You ready now? We got, we got, soon we'll get close to game previews and we'll have recaps. If there's any breaking news, we'll just be on here nonstop. As I established at the end of last season, until the football team shows me something, I refuse to get excited. So, well, you might be along with some of the viewers and listeners here. Some might be on the same platform as you on that side. But, you know, I think on my end, I had enjoyed the summer. 
was kind of in and out of Tampa. So having training camp going on, I don't think the NFL ever really has an off season for maybe four weeks, but kind of ready to get back into the groove of things and get the practices and give you guys some good coverage. Now that D Lou is full time at NG, it'll be really nice to tag team and try to give two different perspectives because it's always just been me on here, giving you guys nonstop updates about Jared verse and, you know, you're, and you're for- a liar. And no, and I think it'll be good for uh, Dustin to reaffirm my points about uh, Jared Verse, <laughs> but <laughs> it'll be good to have multiple as I'm dying here to start camp. Uh, not a good sign, but really excited to uh, get out there. And, you know, I thought from after the spring, things looked good. And I think going into now the ACC media day, we'll we'll jump into that here in a minute. But I think you're seeing a really, you know, uh, Nice and settled, more relaxed. Maybe Mike Norvell feels a little bit more comfortable. And this is his third year going in. And, you know, things do sound good definitely after the spring we saw. But as always, you can listen to podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube. Hit the subscribe button wherever you're at. We definitely appreciate it. We're on iTunes. You can also listen to us on Spotify, Google Play. I know a lot of y'all have been listening throughout the offseason there, but things are going to start heating up. I want to try to give you guys a lot of coverage and always be hitting us in the comments. I know there's a lot of you guys in here. So appreciate everyone we got a wild ride ahead not a lot of breaks coming up not really much of any maybe christmas time so from here on out we're going to give you guys continuous coverage of florida state football and basketball let's get started with the first topic we're going to try to go through a timeline here since we weren't live on thursday let's start off with a little bit of acc media day mike norvell you had jordan travis there jamie robinson who i thought was by far the most entertaining player there uh, during the ACC media days. And then also you had Fabian Lovett, who if you guys got to see, I threw out a clip of both of them in an interview after their presser. Both guys were maybe a little nervous. They were sweating and whatnot, but they made sure to say that, you know, the time to shine is when we get out on the field. But I thought you saw, you know, Mike Novell answer some things, a lot of questions about Jordan Travis and now him being the, you know, set alone leader. This is the guy that is going to be, you know, there's no argument that he's a starting quarterback heading in 2022. Mm-hmm. But I think you continue to see the development process of him taking a hold of the reins as being the top guy in that locker room. And that's something Jordan had to develop for a year and a half now of taking those reins and, and being a leader. And I thought he presented Florida State, represented Florida State well. And uh, I, I thought overall, all three guys, including Mike Norvell, had a lot of good things to say. Yeah, and confidence comes from experience. And you look at Jordan, he's going into his fourth year at Florida State, finally that unquestioned starter at quarterback. And, you know, his performance the second half of last season should really make Florida State fans confident with where this offense can go, particularly when you look at the improvements that were made in that wide receiver room. And, you know, you can say the same thing about Jamie Robinson and Fabian Lovett. They were both very solid contributors for Florida State in 2021. And it seems like from the coaching staff down to the players, there's some cautious optimism that this could be the season that gets Florida State back to a bowl game and starts to build some of that momentum that Mike Norvell has tried to generate ever since he got to Tallahassee. Yeah, and I think Jamie is going to be a guy that is going to be a fan favorite. He was already building that last year, but this is a transfer coming in from South Carolina. He had some really big-time plays for Florida State last year, and then now he goes and represents FSU at ACC Media Days, and I think you got a guy that is going to be a leader on that defense, definitely in the secondary. He talked really highly. He said that he thinks this is going to be a really – could be a scary secondary for Florida State this upcoming season. And, you know, you we have a preview of that fall camp uh, and that position with the secondary, and 
there's a lot to like. So he's not wrong in that part where there should be a lot of optimism from young guys that really showed out last season to now they get into their second true year. And then you've got veterans, two safeties could be the best tandem in the ACC with Akeem Dent and Jamie. So there's definitely a lot of confidence coming from Jamie. And then you look at Fabian Lovett. I mean, that, that group should have all the confidence in the world competing now for maybe a top 15 defensive line unit going into this season, maybe even top 10. I mean, that group, is filled filled with talent and experience. So it was good to hear from Fabian Lovett too. You can tell that a lot of these guys just are tired of the talk. And, you know, luckily they get an extra week ahead of these other colleges to get in there and get after it. So Fabian and Jamie were really just straight to the point. Uh, I'm tired of talking and ready to go hit the field, and they'll be doing that in two days. Yeah, interesting to see Fabian represent that defensive line over Robert Cooper, but I think it just shows the – leadership role that he's continued to take this offseason, the the buy-in from Lovett and just the strides he's continued to make, not only on the field, but as a leader off of the field. And him and Cooper, they're they're going to be the head of that interior defensive line. Yeah, I'm glad that you noted about Lovett and his leadership. Being able to see that in the spring, it's practically a tandem between between Cooper, Lovett, and Jared Jackson, too, who I'm really excited to talk about here in a few. Guys, we'll be doing a full, full camp preview tonight, so we're going position by position by position. So sit back, relax, grab a drink, grab some food. We'll be here for a little while going through every which one and all the storylines. So we, we've kind of knocked out our whole schedule for the rest of the night, so make sure you, make sure you hang out with us. Uh, anything else? I know we got to hear from the commissioner, and I agree with a lot of other outlets that were covering it. You know, I think the ACC is in a really, really tough situation, what they want to do. Um, you know, they had the alliance talk with a few other conferences that fell through. You've got the AC or you got the SEC, you got the Big Ten doing some big time moves. And now the ACC is wondering how can we bring in more revenue for our teams to specifically stay with the conference. But, you know, uh, the commissioner, what, what more can you ask for him to say? It just sounded like a guy that, just is going through a tough time and I, I, I don't I don't blame him a little bit poor guys got a whole foot what 48 hours there just getting uh, slammed with questions regarding the ACC can you keep Clemson can you keep Miami Florida State in there North Carolina luckily we're getting close now to fall camp and we won't have to worry too much about realignment and all that talk I mean this was off-season chatter to begin with but it just doesn't seem like the ACC is really in a good spot. This will be the last season, too, worth noting, where you will have divisions going into it. After this upcoming season, we will go to the best two teams, top two teams in the ACC. So, interesting. I, I Also, Dabo didn't say anything. I don't think usually we'll have a piece or two after ACC media days. Dabo's talking or, or saying something about you know Florida State or Mike Norvell. Didn't, didn't really say much there uh, from the Tiger. Might say something about his team. <laughs> yeah, keep 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 it over there up there in Clemson, buddy. But yeah, we won't go dive all the way into this. Uh, you know, that's ACC Media Days. Not going to get a whole ton from it, but I think the overall theme you get from it, D. Lou and VZ, a lot of confidence and the players, and a lot more confidence. I feel like out of Mike Norvell and the way that he was speaking than what we saw in the previous two years. Let's, uh, let's jump into a few more quick hitters before we go into the fall camp preview. There were some weight changes. We got to see the roster and the weights. Uh, there's, there's definitely some significant changes in a lot of these guys. Some, I think, 
really, really good. Some where I'm kind of questioning a few things. One that I feel like is probably the biggest and was discussed a lot throughout Twitter was Maurice Smith. You know, that's your that's your veteran now center uh, for Florida State competing with Caden Lyles, uh, transfer from Wisconsin. He puts on a really good amount uh, of pounds. I think what, 17, 17. Yeah. 17 pounds for Marie Smith, which I know throughout the whole offseason that was a big goal for Florida state in the program to put on some weight, put on some muscle for him, because that's probably been his weakest point. It's just the size factor. And that's probably a reason why the Seminoles, Mike Norvell, coach Atkins looked into the portal and they bring in a guy, older guy with Caden Lyles. And he's definitely a lot bigger in size Whereas now Caden Lyles, in my opinion, and what I'm, you know, most interested looking into, you know, Caden Lyles, is he, is he going to be conditioned enough going into a football game? And I just didn't see that during the spring. He loses six pounds. Marie Smith adds on 17. What do you think that does for, for Marie Smith there? Because I know, D-Lou, you've been talking in the Discord about Marie Smith, and you didn't know if you saw really visual changes, but it seems like at least Florida State's roster is correct, because we'll get to Jordan Travis here in a second. If it's correct, that's definitely a significant upgrade there in size for a guy that you need to hold down the middle of that offensive line front. Yeah, I think it's big. Um, obviously, you mentioned that to this point in his career, he's had a little bit of trouble adding weight and you know everyone is different when it comes to putting on pounds and strength and conditioning and whatnot and obviously he's had some injuries as well that have limited that but now between the spring and you know a, a week ago or so he's added 17 pounds and if that's good weight it just puts him more in line to be able to compete physically and to be able to last as well during these games and you know Caden Lyles I think it's big for him to trim down a little bit He's had a couple leg injuries during his college career. Like you said, his conditioning was a little bit of a question mark during the spring, but this is a guy that comes from Wisconsin, and we all know the type of offensive lines that they build up there. And if he is healthy, if he is in shape, he's right in line to win that starting center battle. Um, we'll have to see how it shakes out. I think there's a couple options for Florida State, maybe even a Darius Washington look at center there's so there's 19 scholarship offensive linemen um entering this season i don't i don't know exactly how long but that's got to be the most four to states had in quite some time so there's a lot of combinations that alex atkins can work with yeah having more options is always going to be better and that's some florida state coach atkins and Ravel, they made a big time focus this off season to make immediate changes and build depth because it was really really worrisome to see them in some situations on the road, home games, guys going down, and you're putting guys in positions that haven't even played the position. You know, Coach Atkins told us that after one of the practices during during the fall, you know, they were putting some guys there. They'll watch film and understand what they need to do, but it's a little bit different when you're thrown into the fire on the road and you've never played that position before. So that was a thing that was the number one, probably top three that they needed to go in and make a change for. And, you know, it's going to be really fun previewing this offensive line here in just a few. Uh, let's jump into some more significant weight changes for a few guys uh, that I think are worth noting. I think A.J. Duffy trimming down a good little bit here. I'm trying to bring up the article, but my Internet is trying to bug out on me. But I believe he's trimmed down at maybe seven pounds, pounds, I believe. How many pounds? 10 pounds. 10 pounds. Okay. I'm, I'm just one pound off of all of these. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting closer and closer. I'm going to get there eventually. But yeah, AJ Duffy, after seeing in the spring, definitely, I think trimming down was a big thing for Florida State coach Storms and what they want to do with his body because 
you know, just just looked a little bit more heavier than we, I think we all expected him to arrive. Probably the big one also, along with Marie Smith, Jordan Travis, it says on the roster that he's gained 11 pounds up to 212. But he did tell us at ACC Media Day straight up that he is at 205. The plan, though, from what I've heard, is to get up to 215, which would be definitely a big-time W for a guy that kind of gets dinged up. Not really kind of. He gets dinged up throughout the season, continuing to build some, put some meat on the bones and continue to develop him and what they need to do and his stature. I think that's a pretty good, that's a, at least a nice grab. I think he was playing around 195 last year. So at least going into fall camp, he's put on 10. And we'll talk about it more once we get to the QB preview, but that's a guy that's got to stay on the field this year. Just mm-hmm. with the lack of depth that's behind him, he's, he's got to stay on the field for most of these games this year. For, so for him to add weight, it's huge. Yeah, and you look at Duffy, maybe he came in a little bit heavy, and that's why Florida State kind of went with his plan to reshape his body a little bit. And it wouldn't surprise me if he works his way back up to that 220 range you know, throughout his college career, but obviously that'll be a little bit more muscle, more good weight as he bulks up in FSU's strength and conditioning program. And for Travis, it's huge. You know, We talk about him getting banged up during the season. He's, he's missed games um, each of the last two seasons while being Florida State starter, and Florida State hasn't won any of those games that he's been out for um, so far in the Mike Norbell era. And you look at this season, Tate Rodemaker, A.J. Duffy competing for that backup job. Um, you, you don't really feel comfortable maybe with one of those guys coming in, having to replace Travis for an entire game or a multi-game stretch. So it's huge for him to put more muscle on that frame to add more bulk. So just so he's more durable and, um, I think we'll see him scramble in more unique ways to try and avoid contact throughout 22 as well. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'll bring up a few things too when we get to that quarterback preview because he talked about it specifically this year. He wants to work on staying in that pocket more, and we saw that in the spring. We saw that in the latter half of last season, him improving game by game by game. Coach Tokar is looking forward to uh, having lunch with him and interviewing him to really, you know, go in and dial in on what Jordan Travis's plans are this fall camp going into the season. And I feel like staying in that pocket and not having to rush around is something that the staff doesn't want him to do. And Jordan Travis can't, he just can't do that all the time. He cannot do that. So we'll we'll talk about that. Another one that is also in the comments here was just about to bring it up. Robert Scott, this one's a little interesting to me, and this one's going to be a big time evaluator type situation when we get to the practices on Wednesday he puts on a good amount of pounds here at 19 pounds. Was it much needed? Was it good weight? And that's something that we'll see here in a few days. But I know some of the fan base a little off on that. But 19 pounds for Robert Scott. I know that he's being looked at. A lot of national outlets looking at him to potentially be one of the guys drafted out of Florida State's offensive line room, um, taken into the league. But putting on that much size is, is, is pretty interesting. I'm wondering what you know, maybe the staff has wanted to do with Robert Scott heading this fall camp. Yeah, I want to get a look at it for sure, but I don't necessarily hate it. Just if you look at his frame over the last two seasons, he has been a little bit lean for an offensive tackle, especially a left tackle. So as long as this is relatively good weight muscle and it's not going to affect his mobility, I don't think it's that much of a concern. Um, you know, he did he entered last season – Kind of, he was injured, you know, the first couple of games and then was able to get over it, start 11 games for Florida State. And I, I think that as long as it's good weight, 
that's a good thing for Florida State. Yeah, so that, that's definitely a few. Most of these we'll see whenever we get there and arrive. Uh, you know, it starts on Wednesday. There will be a few that we'll definitely see some significant significant changes. I think too. I'm keeping an eye on Joshua Farmer. I feel like he definitely put on some big time pounds before spring camp. He's added on even a little bit more with five more pounds. Uh, a lot of things during fall camp they're going to trim. That's the one thing also we need to work yeah. noting that a lot of guys are going to trim down with fall camp. At this point during the offseason, you're working on bulking, building muscle and such. A lot of these guys are going to trim. So take it for what it's worth, but always worth noting you know, a few guys that are definitely uh, much needed to talk about, like Maurice Smith and Jordan Travis. Uh, let's talk about some award watch lists real quick. Treshawn Ward was named to the Doak Walker award watch list. You had Dylan Gibbons nominated to the AFCA Good Works team. I mean, you know, that's a guy that does a whole ton off the field. And man, I don't even think he really had an offseason. I feel like he was all over the place across the country. I think he was in Seattle doing some kind of work there with Amazon. I mean, he, he just doesn't stop, but big time leader in the locker room too. Um, congratulations there on being nominated to the AFCA Good Works team for Dylan Gibbons. You have Cam McDonald named to the Mackey award watch list for the best tight end in the country. No shocker here for this one, guys. Jamie Robinson named to the Jim Thorpe Award watch list, a guy in the ACC that is being looked at heavily across the country and definitely some scouts in the NFL. You have Tatum Bethune being named to the Butkus Award watch list, the best linebacker in the country. Um, a, lot of, a lot of national attention going into this season for some guys. Um, and then I, I think the standout ones here are probably Jamie. You've got Bethune. Uh, and definitely maybe maybe even Trishon Ward starting to get some national love after being a walk-on at first and now really getting some praise from national outs, outlets. It's really, really cool to see and got some big big camp ahead for all of those guys. Yeah, and we got to mention Jordan Travis too with the Maxwell mm -hmm. Award since we weren't able to yep. record last week. But it just shows that, you know, there are some people that think highly of a couple of guys on Florida State's roster and there will definitely be some eyes on the Seminoles this season. We'll see if a couple of those guys are able to capitalize and put themselves in a position to win those awards by the end of the season. I, I don't ask this to be mean. What has McDonald done to be on the Mackey watch list? Just, just I'd have to see the rest of the names. Like how, how many names are on that list? I think, I think there's definitely a lot of them. I think every year Florida state, I mean, Florida state is a big brand like that. And I think some, Award watch list people, whatever you call them. I don't know what their names or positions are, but the ones that add them to these lists, I think, might just grab the starting tight end from about every big brand in college football. But so I saw that announced and I was like, really? Georgia has three players on that list. <laughs> A tight like, end? Yes. Yeah, which dang. is insane to me. <laughs> They've used their tight ends. It makes sense. McDonald had what, 20 catches last year? I think 24. Yeah. Golly, yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, we'll see. You never know. I mean, that tight end room we're gonna talk about in a minute, but someone, someone's got to step up, uh, step up, and you know, Cam's a leader there. But uh, either the either the staff's got to utilize him better, better play from him. It's just probably a mix of everything. So we'll get we'll get into that discussion. Florida State though, uh, and Odell Hagens, they landed 2024 defensive lineman Keyshawn Mashburn. He commits to Florida State over Georgia Tech, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. FAU and others, you were able to get a commitment interview with him, D. Lou. Nice pickup for Florida State. What do you think about 
grabbing him and, and what really maybe went into him deciding to commit early to Florida State, and he's a 2024 guy. Yeah, solid grab for the Seminoles. You you land a a local prospect, um, a guy who's probably about six foot three, two eighty right now. Um, you know, very hard worker. I think last year he had, if I'm correct, ten tackles for loss and five sacks. And really, Florida State made this offer in January, and ever since then, Mashburn has been wanting to commit to Florida State, and it seems like he recently got the green light from the coaching staff to do so. As a guy, like I said, grew up in the area wanted to stay home so his family and friends can watch him play. And he's been developing a relationship with Coach Odell and Coach JP over the past couple of months. Right now, Florida State sees him as a guy who can play inside or outside. Personally, I think he's probably more of a defensive tackle at the next level, but we'll see how things shake out over these next two seasons of high school football for him. He's only a rising junior. And, you know, he's the fifth commit now for Florida State in that 24 class. They're getting an early start. On the next class, Cam Davis, Jordan Pride, Camden Fryer, Luke Cromanhawk, the other commitments. And Florida State's 24 class, they were already ranked number two, but stay at number two with the addition of Mashburn. And you've got to be happy um, with how things are beginning to shake out with that group if Florida State can have some success on the field this year. And, you know, Norvell stays at the helm in Tallahassee. It, it looks like the sky's the limit for that 24 class, a potential top 15 top 10 finish if they can keep cam davis and some of those other guys mm-hmm. yep so that was a nice pickup for florida state i think to the uh, big discussion this week and it's going to continue to be this way after florida state lost commitment from chris parson it's gonna be brock glenn and the decision whenever that becomes public or if it's going to be florida state you know you've got the ohio state in there too you got schools that are maybe a little bit late now and to the recruitment for Glenn, you've been able to, you know, exchange some texts with him, you know, a decision, you know, that we know of hasn't been made, you know, could have been talked about and such, but, you know, he's coming in and supposed to be visiting Florida State pretty soon, correct? He's going to be coming here for the Seminole Showcase, or am I wrong on that? You're wrong. Never mind then. <laughs> now now the fan base is going to At be least like, at, oh, last, no, at, no. Last test, at last text message, uh, he hadn't confirmed those gotcha. plans, but... Um, I think we reported earlier this month that, you know, Brock had told us that he was planning to decide to decide within a week or two, hopefully. And we're nearing the end of that timeline. It, it continues to sound like things are between Florida state and Ohio state at this point in his recruitment. And, um, you know, in some re- in some earlier interviews that we posted on the side and that Glenn has given, he kind of made it seem like he didn't want his decision to last as long. He wanted to make a commitment at the end of June early July, but it really feels like he's been torn throughout this process. But I truly believe we're starting to get towards the end. Um, It it could be any day at this point. It could go a little bit into August. But I do believe that Florida State and Ohio State are the two top contenders at this point, and and we'll have to see how it shakes out from there. Um, I know we mentioned on the last podcast that maybe with Chris Parson decommitting, he got wind of Glenn going to Florida State, but I don't believe that Florida State side has gotten to a true decision from Glenn to this point. So we're going to keep monitoring the situation and see how it plays out. We've put out a message to Glenn and waiting for him to get back. He normally responds. So we will continue to watch it. Continue to wait and see. Yeah. Uh, all the, I know the Discord's freaking out, Twitter. I mean, that's just going to be the case since you lose your 
only quarterback committed with Chris Parson. Now you play the waiting game, and this is just what happens. That's something that I was fearing for FSU fans, that if you do end up losing Parson, you're now playing the waiting game for now, adding on another quarterback in the class, number one, and then you're still wanting to add another uh, kid in the room, either if it's a recruit or you go in the transfer portal after the season. But still, I, I always try to think past the you know what we're dealing with and the current time. Think of the future and man, I, you know, I still think Florida State's the favorite here. But the longer it goes, the longer it goes. I think fans are going to be a little, little worrisome. You know, if you go into August, you know, early August, and, and there's no official thing there from Glenn because we were originally thinking it was going to be at the end of June. Now we're in July uh, 25th. He wanted to potentially do it before the Elite 11. That didn't happen. You know, and there's no major pressure on the kid either. I mean, he can do this whenever he wants, and this is definitely a big-time decision for him and his family. But, you know, on the on the FSU fan base side, they're getting a little antsy, and I think it's going to get <laughs> antsier every, every day it is, and that's all I see in the chats right now of people, you know, wondering, are we going to get a decision date? Are we going to get an announcement date? You know, something to work off of for Glenn and, and the recruitment there for Florida State. Yeah, and I kind of agree with your sentiment, and it's more of a, a gut feeling, but the longer this goes, the less likely I like Florida State's chances in this recruitment. It's it's in the Seminoles' favor to get this wrapped up as soon as possible. You know, obviously Ohio State, they're kind of flipping between Novasad and Brock Glenn, so who really knows what's going on over there right now? Um, but, you know, Florida State, they're locked in now on Glenn to be that top quarterback in their class, and it would be huge if if they can get that done as soon as possible. Yeah, now it's going to be interesting to watch. I know Florida State's got a big, big recruiting event coming up on July 30th. Mike Norvell likes to call it the Seminole Showcase. And there's some smoke about some big names uh, coming in. And Florida State's done a pretty good job in a few of these events in the past of bringing some high-caliber talent. Florida State, you know, a lot of these guys, they want get, to get in, get let them see the practices. And I think it's really good for the families to be there. You know, we get to see it during the, during the spring. But when, it's a little bit different during fall camp with everybody there, too. And it's good good for some of the players to get in there and really see how coach Atkins gets in there and coaches coach Odell, which is both of those coaches really fun to watch dial in and coach these players up. But you know, what, what are we looking like list wise, some names to watch out for heading into Tallahassee for Mike Norvell's third Seminole showcase. Second Seminole showcase. I know, I know, I know, I know. But you know, like, <laughs> screw COVID. We hate COVID. Now we probably now the algorithm. Now they said COVID. Probably the algorithms. Just, just to make sure we're putting the correct anybody. stuff out there. I know, I know, I know. But either way, his his second Seminole showcase. What are we expecting here? Yeah, we've got the list running in the Discord, but I would say a couple of the main names, um, offensive line commitments: Lucas Simmons, Roderick Kearney will both be back in Tallahassee along with. Keldrick Falk and a couple of the other um, commitments, but those are three noteworthy names, obviously, since they've all committed to Florida State fairly recently. And then looking ahead at some targets, um, we have confirmed that Hakeem Williams will be in Tallahassee on a multi-day unofficial visit. That's one of Florida State's top remaining uncommitted wide receiver targets. And he's obviously someone that the coaching staff wants to get in the fold in this 22 class or 23 class. It, I don't think he's going to make a decision this summer that's going to go more into a senior season and he is planning to officially visit Florida state for the 
um, Florida game late in the, the 2022 campaign. And then on the defensive side of the ball, 2023 linebacker Blake Nicholson confirmed to me last night that he plans to unofficially visit Florida State from July 27th to July 31st. So that's a huge development since they had him for an official visit in June. Now you get him back for a four-day unofficial visit. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Personally, it's starting to seem like Nicholson is leaning towards the Seminoles, which would be an absolutely huge win to bring a kid over the west, over from the West Coast that was, you know, it seemed like he was going to Oregon. Then Florida State gets in it, gets that official visit, and now they're in a position to win out with this recruitment. Um, that'd be a pretty big linebacker target to land. And sources told us as well that it seems like Jalen Brown is planning to be in Tallahassee trying to confirm that through a secondary source before we put it out there. But it seems like all signs are leaning towards him being here as well. And that just continues right now. I believe our list is up to around 30 guys, give or take. And there will be some other names that show up that we aren't quite sure about just yet. So we'll continue to monitor it throughout the week. And that'll be on Saturday. I don't know if you can maybe update Tom here. I don't know if Singleton, I don't believe he's coming to visit for the Seminole Showcase uh, here on the July 30th. If you guys want any updates, though, for names and recruits, Dustin's doing a phenomenal job in the Discord giving you guys names every day, every hour uh, in there. So if you want to get updates on names, free to join. Get down there in the YouTube description down below and join the Discord. I highly suggest doing it. Now that fall camp's coming up, too, uh, you're just going to be missing out on a whole lot of stuff. So highly suggest jumping in there if there's any any new names coming in. But I don't think, I don't think Singleton's are, uh, coming to this uh, recruiting event. Correct. Uh, Singleton is expected to go to Penn State, but a guy I do have on the list, 2023 running back Jalen Johnson, um, a guy that Florida State offered last year out of Georgia. So we'll see about that recruitment. Yep. No, exactly. They've got to go some other ways with Smothers heading to OU. Yeah, he's going to go join 80 running backs there in that in that room. Uh, that's that's interesting. I don't know. Shout out, shout out to Venables over there. Shout out to him, man. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I think that wraps up all the quick hitters uh, for the week. Now it's officially fall camp time. Florida State and the and Mike Norvell are going into their third season. This is this is definitely a big time, big time fall camp. It was a huge spring going through it and, and coming out of it. I thought Florida State learned a lot about some players and then also the transfers and newcomers really mixed in well and just felt like they'd been there for a little bit longer than just a few months. This is, this is going to be an interesting one because you no longer really have a quarterback competition here, but you're really more worried about the QB two, you know, depth wise, because like we said earlier, the health problems, you got injury problems prone with Jordan Travis. You're, little concerned if he were to go down Florida State's offense last year absolutely collapsed when Jordan Travis wasn't out there on the field I mean it was atrocious and so you know that's something of some storylines I thought we'd go through and pick through a few before we jump into every position group I'll start off one that I'm wanting to keep a close eye on and I'm going to go with true freshman Julian Armella I'm not expecting a lot from him this upcoming season for PT um, you know, being thrown into the fire or anything, but I do want to see how he meshes with that offensive line room because I think he's more of an alpha type leader than what we've seen in years past. And that offensive line room, a little bit more quiet than anything. I'm interested to see if things get a little trippy, chippy. We talked to him during our preseason 
before, well, once the guys arrived, the preseason press conference with them introducing uh, themselves. And, you know, Armella told me, you know, I asked him, you know, what, where do you get that energy from? You know, are you, are you going to be bringing that into Florida State? Because we'd see camp videos, we'd see him on tape, and, you know, he's got that kind of jive to him. He likes to get after guys and be trippy and talk. But I want to see how that works here now coming on the college scene. And I think it's going to be good for this offensive line room, bringing in a younger guy with that kind of attitude. And I think Coach Atkins likes it. If he can collect himself, that's even better. But I'm really interested to watch Julian Armella. He showed up. We got to see him at one of the recruiting events, them helping out coaching. And he looks in really, really good shape, guys. And he put on a little bit more pounds, too, from the roster uh, piece we put out. I'm, I'm interested to see how Julian Armella affects this room as a freshman. Yeah, you make a good point because his attitude, um, it's certainly interesting. Like you said, alpha dog. And, I, you know, you normally maybe see some true freshmen come in a little timid, not willing to get in the mix out of the gate. And we saw Julian at one of those camps. And I don't know if it was maybe a separate camp that you weren't able to be out there for, Logan, since I was at I can't tell you how many camps yeah. during the month of June. But as you said, Julian appeared to be in outstanding shape. Um, maybe like I said earlier about Robert Scott, maybe a little bit lean for an offensive tackle coming in, but that just means that there's a frame there now for the strength and conditioning staff to build up. But, and now he's at a little bit more weight, but he's at one of these camps and, um, it was, it was one of the big man camps or something. He was down there watching the drills and guys were going up against each other. And after drills, he was pulling these high school players to the side. You know, he was just a high school player himself eight, nine months ago. He's pulling these guys to the side offensive players and defensive players and sitting there giving them tips about what to do during reps or words of advice, things like that. And that really stood out to me because at that point the kid had been on campus for like a week or two max. And he's already sitting there trying to make some kind of impact on a kid who mm. might, might not be at Florida state down the line. So just says a lot to his personality, his character. And yeah, definitely excited to see him work. I think he probably ends up redshirting this season, but it's a guy who could be a program changer down the line. I think if he comes in last season, there's a solid chance that he gets on the field a little bit sooner. Mm -hmm. um, but as we'll talk about with this with this preview, there's so many transfers in now on this offensive line, especially. There's depth on this offensive line for the first time in forever. And you don't need, as talented as Armella is, he's probably just not going to play right away, which I, I think is a huge, huge credit to Coach Atkins and what he's done in the portal. Um, but we'll see how he does as a redshirt leader. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. I mean, I really want him to see how he how he really gets along with that room because he is going to bring an alpha mode to it. And we saw that from transfer Jared Verse too during the spring of how he can really affect the whole defense. And a few of the players, including Robert Cooper, talked about it. You know, that's, that's a big trash talk and it affects the defense. And they played really well too. A few of their practices with Jared Verse bringing that kind of energy, but. Uh, Armella, I'm keeping a close eye on. Uh, I think I want to see a bounce back from Johnny Wilson, too, who really surprised quite a few of us in attendance during those practices. Uh, didn't have really a great spring game, and it's spring game. It is what it is, yada, yada, yada. But the thing with him, though, he has the inconsistencies of catching, going back to his days at Arizona State. Can that be fixed? Is that something where is it just going to continue to be? Because the way that he was playing the spring was really impressive, no matter what, short field, midfield, red zone, 
end zone everywhere, corner of the end zone. He was really, really a threat to Florida State's defense. I mean, they just didn't know what to do during the spring with him. I want to see if he's able to bounce back. You're not going to have a game for a while, but I just want to see him continue to grow there and fix those the inconsistencies. Sadly, it's practices. The only way that you're really going to fix it is when we see it on Saturdays. But I want to see if that didn't turn him down any. He kept that kind of eagerness to keep on going out there and improving and making some plays on the DBs, which, like I said, they had they just didn't know what to do with them. And I, I think Ron Dugans and what he can do there with him, you know, along with the other transfers, will be impressive. But I'm I'm interested to see if Johnny Wilson can take a step back. Do you have any storylines, Lou, that you're kind of following or VZ going into this fall camp? Yeah, it's kind of cliche, but obviously my eyes kind of move over to that tight end unit because you look at the offense, the running back room has arguably improved, and there's some major experience there with Ward, Toa Philly, and now Trey Benson. You look at the wide receiver room, some younger guys are expected to improve. You bring in the four transfers, offensive line, you're up to 19 scholarship players. You got Jordan Travis. But then it's the tight end room because, I mean, you have Cameron McDonald coming back, but who is going to fill in? behind him um you're blocking tight end jordan wilson is moving on and you've got a bunch of youth and inexperience behind that i believe the other um six contributors in the room five scholarship players one of them being Preston daniel have combined for five catches for 63 yards in their career behind mcdonald so um yeah we're gonna learn a lot about that position group over the next couple of weeks and there were some up and down signs from them during the spring i thought but Hopefully a guy like Wyatt Rector can maybe jump in there, converted quarterback. Um, Preston Daniel continue to play that role as a walk-on tight end, come in as a blocker. Maybe the light turns on for Jackson West or Marcus and Douglas. It's really the wild card of that offense because every other position room has, when you look at it on paper, improved. For me, look at the other side of the ball. You know, We talked about the safeties at the top with, with Denton Robinson. Those are pretty locked in. To me, the only two things that I'm looking at are, are corner and linebacker, and I think linebacker has to be the biggest thing. Yes, you get Tatum Bethune in. Kalen Deloach took a big step forward last year, but can he continue to improve? Can they finally find something consistent for Amari Gaynor, you know, Stephen Dix Jr., DJ Lunny? Can these guys take a step forward? You know, the, the linebacker position has been just like the offensive line the last decade. It's been terrible. You know, if we can finally get some consistent play there, it, it really helps a lot with that defense because there's – really talented pieces all across the defense. If that, if that linebacker unit can take a step up, it makes everybody's job a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. No, you're, you're not wrong. And Deloach was a surprise to us last year. You know, that was a really good surprise. Now you add in Tatum Bethune. We'll, we'll dive into that linebacker room alone. But, you know, uh, linebacker is still a little tricky to me. I, I do think it will be better. But uh, still some situations. To, can Steven Dix Jr. come in? You know, you've got Lundy in there. I want to see how conditioned he is to overall, but uh, you know, working on his body this off season was going to be a huge thing for coach storms and what they want to do for Adam Fuller on defense. And you, you got Randy Shannon too. We got to mention, you know, this is his first season as Florida state's linebacker coach. What does this look like? Do we see a, a whole revamp here? I mean, you saw the, you saw the progress last year, but do we see like a big revamp here? I know a lot of the players, some players ended up sticking and staying at Florida State specifically because Randy Shannon got promoted to that role at linebacker. Do these guys really want to play for Randy Shannon? If that if that comes true, man, you know, you could you could see a whole different kind of unit coming into here. But, you know, it's going to be fun to watch uh, Tatum Bethune. Let's uh, let's go and jump into these these position groups because it's going to take a little while. But let's start off with quarterback. 
talked about it earlier. You know, Jordan Travis now going into the season, put on a little weight now. You know, he stayed healthy throughout the spring. You're, you know, he talked about ACC Media Day. The number one thing that he wants to work on and get better at is staying and staying in the pocket and passing. That's something that Coach Tokars, Mike Arvell, they want to see him do and, and continue to develop because they know the risk that he takes whenever jumping out of the pocket and scrambling. And he's lethal. I mean, he's one of the most lethal quarterbacks in the country with his legs. I mean, he's almost like a running back. He's got the great vision. And just the knock on him is, you know, deep ball, being able to make some reads here and there and stay healthy. If he can stay healthy throughout the season, that's a major dub for Florida State. That probably increases you by two wins, and it would have done it last year also. This is now Jordan Travis's team going into it. I think the biggest concern now is backup because that's probably my biggest concern going into this fall camp. Florida State, I am hoping they don't regret it. I'm hoping Tokars and Mike Harvell, we don't get into – late October questioning ourselves here. Why did we not get a quarterback to back up Jordan Travis? I understand you've got Tate Rodemaker. You've got a true freshman. I, I don't even want to count AJ Duffy in here to be a, a backup after what we saw in the spring, but you know what you kind of got with Tate Rodemaker. You did not bring in a backup for Jordan Travis. I'm worried. I'm worried. I'm worried that, you know, that could be a concern going into the season and we'll, we'll see how healthy Jordan Travis can stay at. What are you guys' thoughts on this quarter, quarterback room going into fall camp on Wednesday? Yeah, I don't think there's a ton to worry about when it comes to Jordan Travis. Um, he made a lot of improvements last season through 2.5 times more touchdowns in 2021 and 2020 than 2020, completed 7.9% more of his passes last season and if you look at the numbers three of his six interceptions on the season come in the season opener against Notre Dame he throws 13 touchdowns to three interceptions over the over his final however many appearances which is a four to one touchdown ratio and over his final three starts of the season averaged 242 passing yards a game and that would equate to nearly a 3,000 yard passing season if he were to continue that throughout a whole year and you know, when you look at it, there's been improvements in that running back room on the offensive line at wide receiver. Um, the improvement of Travis as a passer is legit. And it's it's came um, in the deep ball. You look at it reading the middle of the field. He's a lot more comfortable. He's not just tucking the ball down and scrambling anymore. He's actually going through his progressions and making that third, fourth read. And that one Florida State some football games last year. I think it'll win them some more in 2022 with the weapons around him. And I agree with your sentiment. It all comes down to Jordan Travis staying healthy and those backup quarterbacks not having to get in in the game to play significant time for Florida State. Uh, it's going to be huge for him this year when it comes to sliding and avoiding as much contact as possible while also not completely you know, going against scrambling because that's something that makes him a dual threat in this game and it's why he's already i believe the leading rusher as a quarterback in florida state history you know he he makes plays with his legs you can't take it fully away from him but you've got to put him in better situations where he's not just getting pounded 17 times a game we've talked about it a lot though in in this offseason about trying to bring in another guy to back him up How, there's not many guys that are going to want to come in and know they're going to be the backup and have to contend with that second spot. It's, it's mm. just not that likely in, in this day and age of college football. Everyone wants to start right away. On that same hand, if if they go through fall camp, staff decides, you know, Duffy's better than Rodemaker. Does Rodemaker have the season go, you know what, I don't want to be here anymore, and leave us in a really bad position next year, 
it's a really tricky situation that you hope Rodemaker can take some steps forward and really emerges that key backup, but we just haven't seen it, you know, ever since he got to campus. Big arm, just no accuracy whatsoever. Um, hopefully Travis stays healthy and, you know, this is all pie in the sky. We never have to worry about it. But, you know, Jordan Travis's career has been his career so far, and he's shown a knack to stay injured. Yeah, it's just a tough situation for Florida State to navigate because, to your point, not many guys are transferring to be a backup. And you look at what Travis had to go through the last two years. He had to beat out Blackman for the starting job in 2020, which, you know, not that big of a contest. But then he has to come back and beat out Mackenzie Milton for the job in 21. So do you risk – and this is a guy who has been developing into one of the leaders of your program – do you risk potentially turning him off a little bit and bringing in another quarterback to compete for a third straight year when he's shown you those improvements on the field? So I think Florida State, they went with, all right, we're going to go with Jordan Travis and you know, we're going to hope that he can stay healthy. And you know, if not, you're definitely biting a bullet. And his developments are real, like Dustin talked about. The last half of the season, he was a much better quarterback than he had shown up to that point. If he, if he can continue those progressions – you know, working to those third and fourth options and consistently staying in the pocket when it's there, you know, he can be a really good quarterback and he gives Florida State the best chance of winning football games, as we talked about last season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you go back to the NC State game where he wasn't available to play that, I mean, they tried to run the same offense with McKenzie Milton and that looked, I mean, that was really, that was honestly just as a college football fan, really, really rough to watch. I mean, it was atrocious, and I don't I don't know why Florida State ran the same offense with Mackenzie Milton there. It's a whole different discussion. That season is over. I need to block that off. But still, <laughs> now, I mean, you also, too, looking at Coach Tokars. Let's talk about Coach Tokars. First year now, quarterback's coach. He's coming in. He's been around Mike Norvell and his system before at other places, going back to Memphis. He's now getting a shot at, at a coaching spot here, and – He's got a big job ahead of him, definitely behind Jordan Travis of developing Tate Rodemaker into being a true backup quarterback. And, you know, I think there was always talk about, you know, transferring. You had Truba Purdy leave. He's doing to do his thing. And now you've got, you know, Tate Rodemaker deciding to stay. And I never thought, and I think Dustin, we've talked about this uh, off stream, but, you know, the really, he's just kind of getting a vibe here. And, you know, he wants to stay here in Tallahassee. He wasn't really maybe interested in leaving anywhere. This is going to be your QB2 heading the season. And, you know, Marcus is saying down below, you've got a lot of practices to continue to get better there. But how many how many more practices do you really need to? You just know that this is what you're going to get. The ceiling has been hit. And this is what you got to work with. And you're going to throw Ja'Shawn Ward in there for – you're going to throw Ja'Shawn Ward in there at Wildcat for a quarter of the game there. What, what you can really do. Um, but, yeah, you're, the biggest question mark there for, for Tokars is – what do you do after Jordan Travis? And it's a big time job ahead of him. And now you also don't have Kenny Dillingham. He's over there at Oregon with Dan Lanning. Kenny Dillingham really hands on, obviously, in that quarterback room. How the offensive play calling goes now, now fully set on Mike Norvell's shoulders. I think there was some split decisions being made in game planning and also play calling this last season. Now this is fully Mike Norvell's offense. This is his his quarterback room, running back room, wide receiver. This is everything that, you know, kind of how we did in Memphis. Now it's into third year. It's kind of back to the ways that he was navigating the program there, which I personally do like more. I didn't like the whole having to, I don't think, and it wasn't in a bad way. I think the relationship was completely fine there. And I think they're still close between Kenny Dillingham and Mike Ravel, but I feel like it's a game planning things. They just weren't getting on the, on the same page. I'll be honest with you guys, but 
that, that quarterback room has got a lot, a lot of work to do behind JT. Yeah, and like you said, it's going to be fun to kind of see how Tokars goes about it. He's got that familiarity with Norvell. I think they've been together for the past five seasons, and you've got a guy, a youthful coach, who's bringing a lot of energy and optimism to the position, and it really seemed like the other quarterbacks mesh with that style of coaching during the spring. You know, whenever Tokars was out there instructing them, they were all locked in. It looked like they were having a good time, but there were certain points where the smiles were off their faces and they were competing and, and getting after it. So I think it's a, a fair mix between having a little uh, having a little fun and also getting after it and just excited to see how that position group keeps improving because obviously with the way that Travis, you know, there's a knack for him to miss a game and all the odds are pointing towards that being a probability in 2022 at some point for some reason. And we'll see if maybe by then Duffy – or Rodemaker are ready to step in and assume the role and lead Florida State to a victory. And also one more point on JT. I think it's going to be important that he's not going to be looking over his shoulder all season. You know, he's not going to be worried about making that mistakes. He's not worried about Mackenzie Milton coming in behind him or Blackman or whoever. I think that's going to help him a lot too. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And most certainly it's going to be big time, big time camp for uh, definitely JT continuing to improve, but you know, seeing some strides made there from Rodemaker, and we'll see if Duffy can come in. I don't, I'm not expecting him to take a QB two spot, but never know. We'll, we'll see. Fall camp is fall camp. Let's jump over to the running back room, highlighted by Treshawn Ward and Trey Benson. There was a lot of worrisome going into the spring about Trey Benson. Why was the staff bringing him on? Is he fully healthy? I think that's been completely shot down, and Benson really did show us a lot of what he can do both uh, different kind of areas on the field and looked really good during the spring game. Also, you got to also fully mention Lawrence Toa Philly, who I thought also, I mean, uh, and, and the spring made some strides there, put on a little bit of pounds, nothing too crazy significant. I'm, I think they're going to u- utilize him a little bit differently this upcoming season. Uh, you, you got Rodney Hill, you got CJ Campbell, who absolutely blew up the spring. It kind of felt like how Treshawn Ward did in the years and in the previous year. This room probably you feel the most comfortable heading into the season with. I'll be honest with you guys. There's a lot of legitimate threats there that is at the disposal of David Johnson and Mike Norvell. And, you know, Jordan Travis has to like it too. You know, if that running game can get going with the offensive line, there's a lot to like. But what are y'all's thoughts uh, going in this running back room for fall camp? I don't know if this is a room on the roster that I feel the most comfortable about, like you just said, but I do feel on offense. I don't I don't know about that yes. either. But yes. I do feel oh, fairly absolutely. confident with where absolutely. they stand. Uh, we all saw Trey Benson break out seven carries, 77 yards in that spring game, really displayed, like you said, that he's healthy and that he can be an instant contributor for Florida State in that backfield. You know what you have in Treshawn Ward, a, a tough runner who can turn on the Jets when need be. And I always think back to I think it was against North Carolina. It was like a fourth and two. He got hit in the backfield, dragged two guys with him, got the first down, and he's about five foot eight. So that just personifies the type of um, force that he runs with. Toa Philly, maybe more of your combo back who can, you know, run the ball and catch it out of the backfield. He had two 70 plus yard touchdowns last season, one through the air, one through the ground, one of only five players in Florida State program history to do that in a season. You've got the true freshman, Rodney Hill, who has the body to perform right out of the gate, it seems. He's already 
built like he's been in a college strength and conditioning program for a couple of seasons and if need be can definitely assume some carries and then cj campbell the high-powered walk-on we'll see what you get out of him but really five guys who can contribute i think ward benson and Tella philly make up that top three and we'll have to see how the pecking order establishes itself during fall camp but right now i would lean toward benson being the guy who gets the most carries out of the group i'm really excited to see benson um you know, like Logan talked about, a lot of fans were kind of questioning the take at first because of his injury history. This is a guy that's got just legit size at 6'1", 200-plus pounds, and has legit 4'4 speed. And that's a rare combination for running backs these days. We see a lot of these 5'9 to 5'11 guys, not running backs over 6'1". I'm really excited to see him. We know what Treshawn Ward is at this point. You know, very consistent, 4 to 5 yards per carry, tough to drag down like Dustin mentioned. But man, Trey Benson just—I I think he's gonna have another gear that people aren't gonna be ready for. Because last year we had mm-hmm. Corbin, who was just more of a run it straight ahead. Yeah, he could break some here and there, but he was—he felt like more power back. This is a guy that's got all the jets in the world. Yeah, Trey Benson was a definitely a nice little surprise there, and I think it's gonna be a nice battle to watch too. I don't think you can really feel too comfortable. For Treshawn Ward going into this camp, I still think he's running back one, but will he hold on to that throughout the season after what we saw a little bit from Trey Benson? I don't know, but really impressive to see in person and size. And now this whole room, you can do a lot of different things with them. And I, I thought, too, with Lawrence to a Philly, you saw some strides. But now being able to put on a little bit of pounds, I, he looked really good in goal line this last spring, which I was never going to expect from Lawrence yeah. to a Philly whatsoever. <laughs> to be really a dominant force there. I mean, Florida State's offense, Mike Norvell was using him on goal line. I'm like, well, you got C.J. Campbell, you got Trey Benson there, but no, let alone. D.J. Williams was here at that point too. Exactly. And, you know, what's funny about D.J. Williams, he completely got outsized quickly by Trey Benson and C.J. Campbell, and that was something that, you know, nobody was expecting, but that ended up being the case. And, you know, you see D.J. Williams now going to his third school transferring uh, the running back room to me on my and uh, feeling it uh, feel out of the whole offense feel the most comfortable there maybe maybe wide receiver too although I did not see the production last year so I just got to see answers but in the running back room I know what I'm gonna get from Trashawn Ward I know what I'm gonna get from LT and I do feel confident and if Trey Benson Benson stays healthy you've got a really nice running back room heading into the season and always like to add Jordan Travis in there too, because that is also to me another, uh, you don't want to run them as much anymore, but that is another lethal threat and on the running game for Florida state and the pass or if running blocking can go really well this upcoming season. You got to like what you see. And they brought in some transfers that have had past good experience there in the run game. Uh, let's jump over to now outside of the running back. Let's go to the outside, which, wow, you know, what a whole 180 that the staff, Ron Dugans, Michael Bell, they did in that room, making sure they bring in some transfers. And here we go. You know, you've got Micah Pittman. You've got Johnny Wilson. You also have Winston Wright Jr., who we actually didn't get to even really see much of this last spring because of the he had the, he had the car accident later on, but also was already limited to begin to begin camp and he hasn't really been able to build chemistry with Jordan Travis. We'll get to Winston right here in a minute, but going through some veterans too. Really excited for Malik McLean. I think people are sleeping. They're sleeping big time on Malik McLean and I don't know why. I know there's I think you see the different like goody goodies that you get from Jakai Douglas, which is definitely a big time lethal threat down the field. 
And, you know, you got the Winston Wrights, you got the Micah Pittmans, but people are not talking enough about Malik McLean and, you know, seeing him be a starter, you know, practically being thrown into the fire. You got, got him playing, uh, showing out against Notre Dame, blocking well, then he gets a chance throughout the rest of the season to be a starter on that team. I don't think people are, are talking about him enough. You got Pokey Wilson, you got Keyshawn Helton, and you got Kentron Portier. Portier, too, who might be another sleeper also. But what are y'all's thoughts about this wide receiver room that has been completely revamped by Mike Norvell heading into this fall camp, which was a major need. You could tell between offensive line depth and the wide receiver production last year, they absolutely hated what they saw in the passing attack for Florida State's offense last year. Well, you have to bring in transfers when you don't sign anybody. Um, damn. But- <laughs> damn. Well, I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> but, but there's a lot of depth. Uh, there's a ton of depth at this wide receiver position. I don't even think you named Darian Williamson, who had some big flashes last year. It's just a, it's a ton of depth. And it's still a lot of potential, too, like you mentioned with Pittman and even, even Span. There, there's guys that have so much speed, so much size. If a couple of these guys can put it together, it's, it's a really talented group if Dukins can find a way to get something out of them. Um, I'm really excited to see, you know, how that rotation breaks out. Like you said, I'm really excited from Malik McLean. Um, I saw someone say that Ja'Kai Douglas is the best return receiver. I'm like, man, McLean's just that size doesn't grow in trees at 6'4 with his speed. Um, talented group, really talented group. Yeah, really interested to see how it meshes between the returning players and these transfers coming in. It seems like based off the spring, Mike of – Micah Pittman and Johnny Wilson will both play sizable roles in that receiving core. And it really just depends on the health of Winston Wright. Is he going to be able to return from that leg injury in time for fall camp? Is he going to be back for game one? Is he going to be back by the middle of the season? We're not quite sure on that timeline. And hopefully it's something that we're able to learn more about over the next couple of weeks. But he has been rehabbing. Um, We've seen it on social media I saw him out at the Moore Center a couple of times when I was out there doing some recruiting stuff. And from from my point of view, he didn't appear to have a visible limp and he wasn't wearing a brace or anything on the injured leg. So we'll have to see how things shake out. But he obviously, if you get him, he's maybe your best wide receiver out of the gate and someone who changes the passing game a lot for Florida State because he's a dynamic slot receiver, a threat deep. Um, you can You can use him in the return game potentially. We'll have to see. Winston Wright is – and Johnny Wilson, if he can catch, are your two wild cards on the offense going into fall camp. Um, love love Malik McLean and what he offers at six foot four. You got to remember that touchdown catch against Boston College where he just went up over the entire defense and pulled it down. I mean, the dude is ridiculous, and once he figures it all out, I think I've said it before, I think he can be a superstar at receiver for Florida State. Ja'Kai Douglas, legit deep threat. Um, I think he gets more involved. Joshua Burrell, a lot of talent, a lot of talent there. Um, Ontario Wilson, Keyshawn Helton. There's just so many freaking names at wide receiver. There's there's between seven and ten guys who realistically could contribute and be involved in that rotation. Um, we'll see who rises to the top. But right now, you know, I've, I've got to think Winston Wright, Micah Pittman, Malik McLean, Ontario Wilson. Mm-hmm. are right there in your top four or five. I mean, it's yeah, tough and, to it's tough to kind of preview it. Yeah. <laughs> and to the point, I think you're going to see a lot more four and five receiver sets this year just because, you know, there's more talent there. You know, the times they ran it last year, like, are we really, really running plays with these guys out there? 
you know, we're really throwing deep balls to five, six Keyshawn Helton. Like, I don't think we're going to see as much of that this year um, just because there's more guys that know how to do it. And I, I think that's going to be a huge, huge benefit to the offense. Just having guys that can rotate in and out, they have fresh bodies all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's going to make a world of difference. And, and hopefully Travis makes those improvements to get these guys the ball. Yeah. And Austin, go ahead. Austin, you kind of said it earlier, but Florida State, they've got a good balance of guys who are speed, speedy guys, and they've got a balance of guys who are more tall and can go up and get the ball in traffic or in the red zone. So they've got guys they can use in different situations, it feels like. And over the first two seasons of Mike Norvell at Florida State, haven't had a receiver eclipse over 400 yards. I'm going to go with I don't know if you would call this a bold prediction, but I'm going to say two two receivers get over 600 yards in 2022. There's going to be a market improvement in that passing game. With Dugans, I'd say that's bold. Well, I'm not counting on him. <laughs> I'm counting on Travis. Yeah, JT staying in the pocket there. That's what he wants to get better at. My concern here for Winston Wright Jr. is just building chemistry with Jordan Travis. You know, Andrew Parchment came in last year from Kansas had a lot of inconsistencies. It just felt like the chemistry wasn't there a ton. I know we got the fourth and 14, but come on, that's 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 a miracle play right there. <laughs> I didn't, I, the inconsistency between Andrew Parchman and Jordan Travis, that was that's making me now label Winston Wright Jr. and Jordan Travis can and now that you didn't even really have a spring whatsoever for Winston Wright Jr., how can they make that up? We'll see how healthy he was. You know, you got to see him at the Moore D. Lou. We see a few videos. Coach Fuller is out here throwing videos of workouts and everything, which is pretty funny. And he gives us kind of a sneak peek at if guys are healthy or not. But going off some videos, it looks like he's able to at least attend some of these, maybe participate. Don't know if he's a full go. We'll see what Mike Norvell says at the press conference tomorrow afternoon. But that's going to be my biggest concern. Can there be a chemistry built right now between JT and Winston Wright Jr.? I don't think so, but you've got a full fall camp to build that if they can. So we'll see. But really, really excited for Malik McLean. I, I think people just continue to sleep on him. He was Malik McLean's Jordan Travis's favorite target. That's how it was all throughout the spring. It just became a, an instinct for JT to go to him. And it became so consistent that we just weren't talking about Malik McLean anymore just because that was just continuous, continuous, continuous. You'd have some guys break out. You had Kentron Portier. Like you said, I'm glad you mentioned it, VZ, uh, Williamson, um, Darian, uh, two guys that had good springs and they decided to stay. You know, they could have left. You saw Jordan Young leave. You could have you could have left and gone to another university and potentially started elsewhere. They're competing now for not just playing time, but they want to get in there and be a starter uh, against, you know, their opponent of the week. I think this is going to be really, really fun to watch. It was a really fun spring. It's only going to continue to be that way. I know there's probably going to be some comments about Deuce Span. That's a project player. That's going to take a year or so, in my opinion. You do like the athletic attributes, and maybe d you might have put it. I know you're writing the special teams preview, but he could be a factor uh, over there on that side of things because you do have a, a really nice threat there with, with some speed. Uh, with the size that he has, it's really impressive. But I think that's a project guy that's going to take a year to develop. He's probably going to be a gadget guy, if I had to guess. You know, a guy they use on end rounds that can potentially throw the ball because he's got some quarterback history. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think he's going to be your typical wide receiver. They're going to try and find a way to make him make plays. You just, nailed just it. I think, I think they're going to end up putting him in different positions once he is ready. Um, obviously, this is a guy, a former quarterback at Illinois who was converted to wide receiver six foot four 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 or better speed um 
and really new to that position. So he's still coming along with his development, but I think he'll be a nice piece for Florida State in the future and maybe get some potential looks at Wildcat. But I did want to go back to your point real quick, Logan, on Parchment and Winston Wright. And I just think when you when you think about it like that, it's really a case-by-case scenario just because Parchment, he had been really inconsistent in his college career before he transferred to Florida State. He had one really good season at Kansas, but it was a lot of inconsistency outside of that year, whereas Winston Wright, consistent producer, guy who's made a lot of plays for West Virginia through the air, over a 1,000 yards of kick, of kick return yards and two special teams touchdowns. So he's produced a lot more during his college career. I am interested to see how he comes off the injury, but I think he could be more impactful than Parchment was depending on how healthy he really is. You're muted, buddy. Every podcast. Oh, wow. Every I didn't even one. see the red. They didn't give me the red button. This thing is rigged on here. It's playing games with me. But we'll be keeping a close eye on that wide receiver room going into uh, Wednesday. And we'll see if Winston Wright Jr. is healthy or not. You know, Mondreville, I think it got brought up to him during the ACC media days and said, you know, it's kind of day to day rehab and such like that. But it would be nice to see him out there if it's not fully dressed, but dress and at least being able to be out there during the beginning of fall camp. That would be a big time W for Florida state fans and offense as a whole going into this uh, season. Let's jump into a room. That's maybe a whole 180, maybe not so comfortable feeling trash Florida state's tight end room going into fall camp going into fall wow. camp. Florida state is this is a room that's just not been the best in the last couple of years and goes into recruiting. You got to start off with, you do have a leader though. you got Cam McDonald, a guy that has the most experience about out of maybe anybody on this roster, but the production there is just not great. You know, it doesn't scare any kind of defense that they're going to be facing. What can Florida state do here to get better? It's headlined by Cam McDonald. You've got Wyatt Rector here, who was a former walk-on. You have got Marcus and Douglas. You've got Preston Daniel. You've got Jackson West. I know you got some youngins coming in too, but out of these guys, you know, is someone going to step up here and be able to go alongside Cam McDonald? Because it just hasn't, it just doesn't look so, uh, it doesn't look so pretty after what we saw a little bit last season. There are some ups and downs, but still, Florida State's offense, it seems like ever since. I'm trying to go back to maybe Izzo. It just doesn't feel like there's a threat that Florida State can bring to an opponent on Saturdays in the tight end room. Let's just be honest. It just I don't think defenses and defensive coordinators really have to game plan for a Florida State tight end, really. I mean, was Izzo really someone that people game plan for? I, I thought I think he was. I think he was. I mean, who are you <laughs> taking, Izzo? More than their game planning now. Let's just leave it at that. You would you would take Izzo in a heartbeat, I feel like, going into this season. And then you, you got to mention, too, you lose Jordan Wilson. He, he's off. He was only a one-year guy. Pivotal. That's a pivotal loss because he was such an effective blocker. And, you know, you look Especially at Cam. On counters. He was so good on counters. But even on short yardage or goal line, that was the guy that you normally had in instead of Cam because Cam sitting in that 240. 245 pound range obviously is more of your flex mm -hmm. receiving tight end whereas Wilson they're able to plug him in help with the running game and he was really effective too you look at some of his I, 
he didn't have a lot of receiving production on the season, but Florida State, they love to bring him in on one of those short yardage, mid yardage situations, run a play action, run a play action, and then get the ball to him. That was how a lot of his production came to be in 2021. So that's a big loss for FSU, and they're going to have to find someone to replace that. And I think I mentioned it earlier your top options to be that new blocker, per se, probably Preston Daniel, Marguson Douglas, Jackson West, and each of those guys have been up and down throughout their careers, and maybe it's an indictment of the room when you say, all right, a former walk-on is probably going to be playing a fairly significant role for those tight ends, but Marguson Douglas came in as a project. Jackson West, a rising sophomore, kind of struggled during the spring when it came to catching the football, and that's going to be paramount because he's he's one of those guys that isn't one way or the other. He's more of a dual tight end. He can block and he can catch, Where you, whereas you've got a lot of guys who are kind of – you know, they can either block or they can catch. Yeah. It, it, it's wild. Just just to voice some of the fans' concerns, you know, there's six or seven scholarship tight ends and none of them are worth a damn at this point. <laughs> um, there should just be a – It's a lot of potential, but it's Trying like, to be – yeah, potential. Well, I know. need someone to step up. Anybody. I think I think you're spot on, VZ. I mean, got to be real. Sometimes we, just, we can't just have a podcast here just giving all the goodies, goodies, the good parts of things because we know how to complain when the football season comes. So we can't just be here high on our horse going into the season and not later on down the road being like, well, here we are. You know, we talked highly and tried to talk highly about it, and then it shit the bucket in the fall. Florida State's tight end room has got to be – there's got to be some answers here. Someone's got to step up. I mean – Markson Douglas looks almost like he could be a guard or it could be at a tackle, but he's playing the tackle position. But you, tight end. Well, I know he looks like he could though with his size. Well, you would like tackle. to see him, but yeah, you would like to see him play and be a blocker at tight end to kind of replace what Jordan Wilson was last year. You lose him, but I mean, he has turned down to two seventy when he was north of two ninety. So I will give him some credit for doing that. <laughs> it, it, I'm not laughing because of that. I'm not laughing. I'm just. I'm just glad. I'm thank you for giving the credit. Maybe maybe that. he's in better shape to be a blocking tight end. That's it's one it's one of those like figuring out where the issue is because when we first hired November, like oh thank God we're going to finally use the tight ends, and then yeah. McDonald has 40 catches over the last two years. Like it, is is it the quarterback just not looking for him? Is it tight ends just suck? Like what what we got going on? Yeah, uh, two. I think what we're also holding on to and we just got to kind of finally go ahead and let go as that North Carolina game at home when Florida State beat him and you got to see Mike Norvell's and you know what he can do and made that adjustment to put Preston Daniel on the spot to make that big time gain to get out of their own side of the field but we got to let go of that limb that that is over with it is done erase it from your brains it's it's long gone and Florida State's got to find the answer there at tight end I know Cam McDonald he's you see the ups and downs. It's usually on that fly route, but come on, man. You gotta there's gotta be something more, right? You can use with him. I know he's kind of more of a hybrid guy, and he's a really, you know, really hard worker. I, I gotta give it to him, really good leader. He represents Florida State well, but you know, if it's not solely focused on his shoulders, what can they do outside that? Can it be a guy like Wyatt Rector? Um, can a Jackson West come out and show up and, and do something? Is it going to be Marcus and Douglas, who, like I said, looks more of a mix of an offensive tackle than a tight end? His, nick, his nickname is Biscuit. That's a real, that's a real thing. Is it? Hopefully it's not a Popeye's Biscuit, so he's not super dry. 
<laughs> I don't know what kind of biscuit. But Logan, that, that catch you're talking about from Preston Daniel, that Beautiful. happened almost two years ago, and it's one of three catches that Daniel has in his entire career. But it was a good one. It was beautiful. It was. Uh, that's do it 30, more. That's thirty-six you, of his fifty career receiving yards, right there. If you only have three catches, that's a hell of a one. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not. I'm just. It just shows the tight end production. I mean. Yeah. Well, I mean, that'll be a whole different discussion. But recruiting, don't even get me started. Don't even. That's a that's a whole different thing to dive into. But and starts from there. Uh, we got Mark Rogers in the chat. He's saying, uh, giving us some love here. I always appreciate Mark. I'm on there every Wednesday talking some Florida State football, but definitely hit the like button if you're still hanging around with us. We're getting close to getting into the de- defensive side of things, which I'm really excited to talk about. But if you're on YouTube right now, would really appreciate it. I think we got almost close to 200 on there right now. Hit the like button, subscribe. We would definitely appreciate uh, all of that. It goes out to more Florida State fans, and we're trying to build this up so then whenever we get close to these Saturdays and when we're either really happy or we're not so happy. At least we can hang out with you guys and chat. So appreciate everybody hitting the like button. It means a lot. Also hit that bell too. You get notified every time we go live. Yeah. And before we move on from the, uh, the tight ends, I do want to point out, I've seen some people mention in the comments. I think there's a possibility that Johnny Wilson will get some looks at Florida state as a tight end in certain formations in certain situations, just because when you look at him, six foot seven, 235 pounds he's got enough um weight to hold up and also maybe be a threat you know because that's a guy you can put up against linebackers to create some sort of mismatch so we'll see what happens yeah no absolutely so we'll we'll see the big one i want to talk about though is this florida state offensive line room because good god i feel like there's too many names to even talk about here but let's jump right into it whole kind of like the wide receiver room but even more both recruiting and also in the transfer room florida state has done a complete 180 and change around adding in some depth adding into some college experience you got some young i mean i don't know where to start from like i want to start with some of the newcomers coming we got to see a little bit of them in the spring but now you got julian armella you got Krishan sap you got antavius woody who you know i i'm really intrigued to see him too what do y'all want to start off with here? Because I think, there's just a lot to like. There's a lot to like. I think we've got to start out with maybe the guy who's the leader of this unit and Dylan Gibbons. And obviously he's a really good son. He remembers his parents' birthdays. Um, he he transferred to Florida State last season, started 11 games, and instantly became a key cog in that offensive line. And during the spring, he just continued to progress that leadership role. Um, he He like – he had the offensive linemen come together. They all wrote wrote down goals that they wanted to accomplish during the spring and the offseason and presented it to the coaching staff. So just shows the not only the play on the field is starting to flip for Florida State in the trenches, but also the attitude. And I think that unit is a lot closer together than they have been in years past, which just which just helps the uh the chemistry. And it all starts with Dylan Gibbons, um, in my opinion. It- as I mentioned earlier, there's there's finally depth on this offensive line. We don't have to worry about if one person goes hurt, gets hurt, the whole line's screwed. You know, and as Logan talked about last year, you know, maybe it was Dustin. I don't even remember who said it, but you know, <laughs> guys are practicing out of position, yeah. and that, that's that's really hard for a D1 offensive line to try and make things up on the fly in the middle of the season. You guys got you got guys coming in and, and Bless Harris and Caden Lyles and all these guys that have so much experience. 
that, you know, if something goes wrong, they can plug right in, even if they're not starting right away. I, I think it's only going to be beneficial for, for really Jordan Travis because we saw last year they can make holes in the run game. But, you know, they made improvements in the passing game, especially Robert Scott and, and Darius Washington. There's a ton to like. There's there's really is a ton to like. Yeah, 19 scholarship offensive linemen. Ten of them are, are newcomers. You've got your six true freshmen. You mentioned those transfers, Austin. Three graduate transfers. We talked about Caden Lyles earlier. You also have Dimitri Emanuel from Charlotte, Jasmine Turnatine from South Carolina, who's one of your more recent additions, and, and also Bless Harris, who is here for the spring. So four offensive line transfers um, on top of, I believe, four or five guys who started games for Florida State in 2021. And now you're looking at it, and Logan, we've said it countless times. We said it every every game last season. It felt like whenever someone in that starting five and in the spring, whenever someone in that starting five went out, the play just drastically diminished, and there there was just really no replaceable option for anyone in the starting five. And I think now you've got seven, eight, maybe even nine guys that you can count on in the event that someone inevitably gets banged up on that offensive line and has to miss some time or you make some rotations during a game if someone's getting tired. There's legit options, and there's a lot of different ways that Alex Atkins can go to kind of piece together this starting five. Mm-hmm. And you got depth, but depth with experience. And I think that's going to play a big time factor if someone does, or, you know, that's eventually going to happen when a guy goes down. You got guys you can throw in there that has had college experience for multiple years. And this is a really highly aged group, too. Um, first off, my biggest question mark is how the n- nutrition room, if they're going to have enough food to feed all these guys throughout the week. And uh, I don't I don't think there's going to be a chance there at all for them. Good luck. Best of luck. But these are some big time big boys coming in. I mean, I know Florida State will talk about it in the defensive line room, too, but they're building these trenches and they're bringing in guys with significant size. These are and I and I we've been through that before. You lose Rick Trickett, you know. You see a lot of the offensive line recruiting just really fall down, and you're bringing in guys that are almost like tweeners, almost that you're trying to have. You spend two years of it with them, having to build, and then the third year they end up transferring because they're not starting over somebody. Right here, you're bringing in guys with some really nice size. Some guys that you even have to now trim down. You're talking like Rashawn Sapp and Tavius Woody, and what they want to do with his body. You got guys with some really significant size that you can continue to continue to develop while talking about some of these underclassmen um, coming in. And, you know, I, I think, too, it's going to be an interesting battle between Lyles and Smith. I still think Smith has the edge here just because of the experience and what we saw in the spring. But I, I could be complete, completely wrong. The biggest knock for me on Lyles were two things. Conditioned. I don't think he could have gone two quarters during the spring. And number two, the snapping. I mean, the snapping was extremely inconsistent. Those are things that you can fix, luckily. Those are things that continue to build chemistry with Jordan Travis and whoever's there in the quarterback room. But Jordan Travis is, is the guy. Those two things can be fixed. So that's why, you know, you know, I know D. Lou, you and I are kind of um, not in full agreement on this, which, you know, that's where it's going to create a good conversation once we get into fall camp and evaluating Lyles versus Smith and taking that center position. And outside of that, you feel good about Robert Scott. You know what you got with Gibbons. Uh, you know if you know if Darius Washington's fully healthy, ready to rock, which you're hoping for you know, later in this fall camp. You, you know what you got there. Bless Harris. Still want to see a little bit more of, but that was the spring. You know, we only had a you know he's only been on campus for a few months, so I'm not going to fully give him a great answer going in this fall camp. But 
the biggest thing, like VZ said, you finally have depth, man. And it feels like it's been a long while. It's going to be fun actually being able to see this room and what Coach Atkins is going to do with it because who knows, how much longer can you keep Coach Atkins also? You've got depth and you've got versatility. Uh, Robert Scott, he can play you know his left tackle spot. He can shift to guard. Darius Washington, he can play between center, guard, and tackle. Turnatine can flip between either of those tackle spots. Harris is a guard or a tackle. Demetri Emanuel can play center or guard. I mean, there's just, mm-hmm. like I said before, there's so many guys that can play different positions. There's so much versatility. And Alex Atkins, I mean, for the first time in his career, he's going to have a tough time picking a starting five, I think. You know, it was probably pretty easy last year. He's like, all right, you five for sure. <laughs> now he's looking at seven or eight guys like, I, I don't know, man. We're going to have to see what happens over these next couple of weeks. And for the first time in what feels like two decades, we might have a chance at an average offensive line. I think like, I don't want to think I don't even think it's crazy to say. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been asking, we've been saying, well, what would this offense be if we had even a below average, not a terrible offensive line? Just give us a below average offensive line. Now they have a chance to be, you know, middle of the road. I think that's a huge improvement. And I think too, and it helps each other out, but Jordan Travis trying to focus there and stay in the pocket. I think that both sides that helps one another because sometimes before he'd get antsy and you'd see the whole, you know, offensive line kind of collapse and him being able to, you know, let's make a focus here, stay in the pocket. Let's make sure we get the reads down. If it's, if it's not working, nobody's open, you know, do what you need to do make sure you please slide. But uh, you know, the main focus is keeping Jordan Travis protected. And I think this team, definitely the offensive line, they love that guy. They want to protect him. They know how, versatile he is to this offense and they keep going down the field with him if he's not able to play and they you know you don't you don't want to get your quarterback hurt no matter what but this is a guy that's extra delicate if we're going off of last season the main focus is keeping him protected we'll see if that offensive line can do it but you got to like this you got to like what Mugnervell and coach Atkins did this last uh, off season and making some fixes and we'll see if that turns out to be a you know a big time game changer for Florida State this upcoming season and I, I think it will like y'all like you guys said I think it's going to be you're going to see uh, I think there was a step last year if only injuries weren't there you'd see even more but this is going to be a, a big time jump to where you're like okay all right I, I don't think we have to worry too much about Florida State's offensive line and I, the funny thing is this might be the last year that we're really maybe still a little bit concerned about it. I think after this year and the years coming, you know, Atkins and Norvell have built that base to now the future is really bright in that room. Now, yeah. I mean, if, now if you think of Kearney, you've got Simmons, you know, the, the future is bright. And really looking across the whole offense, I mean, quarterback room, running back room, wide receiver room, tight end room, they all got better this off season. The only real question mark is that tight end room. We'll see if someone's able to rise to the occasion in the fall of, uh, don't really know one way or another so far, but it wasn't exactly positive with what we saw from some of those guys in the spring. But outside of that, the rest of this offense has taken steps forward in talent. They've got more depth. And I mean, man, you're you're J you're a Jordan Travis, I feel like 12 game season from being a seven, eight win team in 2022. Yeah. That wraps up the offensive side of things for our 2022 fall camp preview. Let's jump on the defensive side, which I am extremely excited to talk about because what we saw in the spring and what we saw flashes of last year, there should be some excitement from Florida State's fan base as a whole. You've got some star players 
across the board, starting off probably in the trenches, which will begin at in the interior defensive line with Robert Cooper. You've got Fabian Lovett. Those are two NFL products there on Florida State's defensive line you get to bring in for another season. I think you've got starters behind them, too, with Malcolm Ray, who really made some strides last year. And then, you know, right next to him, too, Jared Jackson, who is my sleeper guy that I think people need to start keeping an eye on heading into this camp. You've got Joshua Farmer behind him. You've got Bishop Thomas. You've got Daniel Lyons. Really, that front four, I feel really, really good about. Farmer, too. I still think I want him to trim up a little bit. They put on a lot of pounds on him. But either way, I think you got five really strong, strong material guys that can put in some work. But, I mean, love it. Robert Cooper, you just can't get any better than that, definitely, in the ACC. And I think they're they're going to make some – they're going to get some national attention this upcoming season. You, you just bring this, you just bring this whole group back. I mean, you just – and they, they were already a really nasty tandem. I mean, you had Jermaine Johnson and, and – um, Kier Thomas on the side doing their work, but on the inside, I think it was really missed out on what they were able to do to push inside there and cause some havoc for some of these offensive line and, and to completely wreck uh, what some of the game plans they were running there for offensive line groups uh, on Saturdays. I'm, I'm just, you can tell I'm excited about this group because it was just, it wasn't really, and I hate to say it, well, there was some times during spring camp where it kind of just wasn't fair. And that's good to hear from for, the defensive side of things, yes, but you got to hope the offensive line can do its thing. But yeah, what are y'all's thoughts on uh, OL heading into this? Uh, OL DL on the inside going into this fall camp. Yeah, I was a little, I was a little scared last September whenever Dennis Briggs went down with that season-ending injury. It was kind of like who's going to step up now behind Robert Cooper and Fabian Lovett, and it just gave an exceptional opportunity to Malcolm Ray and Jared Jackson. They both took advantage of it and. They both have developed into stalwarts in that defensive line heading into 2022. I mean, in my opinion, you've got four guys right now who are starting material. Um, we know that Cooper and Lovett are going to be those two guys unless they get hurt, but there won't be much of a drop-off if you ask Ray or Jackson to step in for them at any point. And, I mean, even behind that, some of the young guys, Joshua Farmer, he's up into that 300-pounder club, um, you know, the other guys in the spring, they showed Bishop Thomas. They showed some some promising qualities as well. They're not going to be asked to do a whole lot this fall while they learn behind those guys that have already gotten experience. But from top to bottom, you know, that defensive line room, it's in a very good spot. Um, it's going to be dominant from the interior, at least in 2022, and has a chance to continue to be at the top of the country over the next couple of years. I don't really have much to add. I mean, you, you guys have nailed it on the head. It's a very talented group that's got plenty of depth, plenty of production already, and still plenty of potential. Um, I expect them to I – don't, I don't want to say dominate, but they have the potential <laughs> to do it. So go out and dominate. Why not? I, th- I think they dominated a good bit last year. I'm expecting more from that. I mean, Fabian Lovett, he's put on – he's also put on some significant size too. I don't know if he really needed it, but that is a big human being coming there from the inside of Florida State's defensive line. You've got Cooper too, one of the most experienced guys on the team. Uh, you got you love every bit of this unit so far. If guys can stay healthy, then that's even better. But and, – and I don't – I don't I think we kind of sleep too a little bit on Robert Cooper. Um, you know, this is 
really big for him to stay another year, but he made some plays last year that allowed for Fabian Lovett to, to get after the quarterback, um, make plays on the running back, have tackle for losses. And, you know, Robert Cooper can usually eat up a few blocks, but now you, I mean, you just bring that tandem back and you feel, you just feel so much better uh, going into uh, the defensive side of things for Adam Fuller and Odell Higgins. Odell knows how to coach. He knows how to put guys in the league and he'll do that with Robert Cooper and Fabian Lovett this upcoming season. I think people are sleeping on Jared Jackson. That might be I, I kind of predicted Dennis Briggs a while ago to make a stride, and he's kind of my sleeper guy. A couple of seasons ago, I'm going to go Jared Jackson here. I, I really liked what I saw in the spring from him. I don't know what kind of hit a switch there. He's turned into a leader. Like I said, those three with Lovett, Cooper, and him, those are your three leaders on defense, and it showed really well. And with him coming in and now understanding the system fully and how coach Odell wants things ran, there was just a different energy from him, a nasty energy and just nobody could block him this spring. And so I think people are, are, are sleeping on him. He, he changed his number though. He, where, where did he, what did he change the number to 12? He's yeah, he's not, he took Trey Benson's number because Benson yeah. moved to number three. Yeah. So he, uh, he goes to number 12. I was digging the 48, I I, I I don't know the 12 I might have to maybe that changes things for me I don't know but just going <laughs> off the spring though literally I think some people might be sleeping on Jared Jackson and Delu when we get to practice I'm gonna show you I'm gonna pull you over there and I'm gonna show you domin domination we'll have to see but I will say Robert Cooper you know he's played a little bit heavier in his career I think he's probably in the best shape that he's been in thus far during his college career at Florida State entering the fall Fabian Lovett has put on I think 10, 12 pounds now to get close to 320. So, I mean, just two massive guys in the middle who are going to wreak some havoc. Yep. All for it. So, just please don't be like 2020. You better knock on some wood, buddy. You better find some wood in that office. Uh, let's jump over to defensive end. Obviously, the big topic here is you lose Jermaine Johnson, first round talent there going over to the Jets. And then you lose Keir Thomas over there. With the Rams, it's a big, big time loss. You know, that was probably all of our biggest concerning mark going into the spring. I feel a lot better with it. You know, I'm still not fully, I mean, it's not going to be at the same tandem of Jermaine Johnson and Keir Thomas, but I do think you have a nice substitution with bringing in Jared Verse from Albany. You've got Derek, you got Derek McLendon too, who's now finally getting that chance of being a starter, you know, sitting behind Keir Thomas, Jermaine Johnson last year, he didn't get to be there. He, and he, you know, he was working a lot more on the inside than anything with McLendon, but he's really shaved off a lot of pounds and worked on his body this, uh, what last year, year or so trimming down and really speedy off the edge had, had a good spring, but you know, I think it's highlighted with Jared Verse. You're still wondering too, about Dennis Briggs, if he can be fully healthy heading into this camp, didn't get to see a whole ton of him during the spring. And you got, you know, you got Byron Turner, you've got Pat Payton. You're hoping those younger guys can make some steps forward. You saw it with Pat Payton this last spring. I mean, I think from a few of our sources telling us you know, really dominant spring scrimmages. And, you know, after it took a little while, took a little out. Well, uh, I think the second scrimmage, he really, um, showed out and it took a little while for him to make those strides, but I think you're seeing more confidence out of Pat Payton and you lost Quashawn Fuller to Maryland and the transfer portal. I think the staff sees a lot in Pat Payton. I think they see a really high ceiling and what they can do to continue and develop him. What coach Pap can do. 
it's probably the number one guy I'm keeping an eye on if he can continue to make strides because after your top two there with McLendon and Verse and maybe your top three with Briggs, you're worried about who's after that. And you're keeping an eye on, on Pat Payton and also Byron Turner, in my opinion. Yeah, you're you're not going to be able to replace the production that Johnson and Thomas gave you in 2021. But I do think this unit is going to be one that improves throughout the season for Florida State just because of how much youth and inexperience there is. Um, Jared Verse looked unblockable during the spring, and especially in the spring game. He was just – it wasn't even fair. He was getting around every offensive tackle right into the backfield, making plays. Darren McClendon, as you noted, Logan, has taken some tremendous strides with his body and the coaching staff absolutely loves the kid and the attitude he brings to the field. So it seems like those are probably the two guys in line to be your starters. Dennis Briggs, reliable contributor, as long as he's back fully healthy, which I believe he will be by the fall. And then Patrick Payton, Byron Turner, even Leonard Warner, who missed all of 2021 with an injury but is back in the fold. Those are some wild cards. And Austin's looking at me like I'm an idiot. Leonard Warner, he's not going to come in and be your starting no. defensive end. But I could don't want to. See, out I from, don't want to see him on the field. No. But can he? But could he be a quality fourth or no. fifth defensive end in a rotation? No. <laughs> no. Six year senior. Come on, man. This year's not seventh. He's been here for forever. Thought it was. Um, I thought it was seventh. It's six or seven. Almost as long as your tenure in college, Dustin. Getting there. <laughs> Getting there. Yeah. Rookie. He's got like another two years. He probably has the masters though. Probably. It's it's impossible to have the two to have the top two that you had last year with, with Johnson and Thomas. But I don't think there's that much drop off in the two D. You know, I think there's a little bit more depth than they had last year and a little bit more production. I think. You know, you're not gonna be, be as reliant on, on your top two guys. And I think that's big. You know, there, there were times last year where Johnson and Thomas got a little bit tired, had to come out for a little bit, mm-hmm. and it really impacted defense. I don't think there's gonna be that big of a drop off from the first two, the second two, whoever those end up being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I'm, agree. Yeah, I'm, I'm high. I think if we're going to compare any kind of things, I mean, to, I mean, I guess Jared Verse is closer to maybe Jermaine Johnson, but Keir Thomas was much more of a bigger sized guy on that end. And, you know, Derek McLennan is not that. He is not that size. Um, you know, Jared Verse has got some bigger size on him. And uh, I think Tom's in the comments here talking about verse and his play you know he'll get after the quarterback but might give up some running plays I, I think at least from what we saw in the spring and we're, we're gonna have to see games before anything happens but you know I, I think you're gonna have to wait and see from what happens with him because the spring and you're going against Florida State's offense I hope that we're not completely like I mean hopefully Florida State's defense is just you know straight dominance but from what we saw from verse and what he could do both against the quarterback and and then running backs I mean he was taking on two blockers at the same time dog and wrapping up to a Philly. Like, I mean, that just, that just doesn't make sense to me. And that's where I was worried about Florida state's offensive line, where we were heading in the spring. Like, Oh, this is, this is, everything's good. Giddy, giddy. Everything's, you know, improving their offensive line. I don't know, but I, I think Florida state did a fantastic job of landing uh verse. I think he's going to be a, a big time game changer for Florida state. And, you know, we, you start off with Duquesne, but I know we got some, we got a comment here in the, in, on YouTube talking about LSU, you know, they're, Either way, Florida State's going to have to get after some quarterbacks this upcoming season. They did it last year, and they found success. They did it um, against uh, TBD, um, and you saw Miami struggle immensely there and what they could do, and then they're going to have to do it again, and whoever they throw out there and whoever Brian Kelly wants to throw out there, God, I 
wish it would be homeboy from Arizona State, Jaden Daniels, but I just don't think he I don't I don't know if he's gonna beat out that battle, but he wanted to transfer over there, so we'll see. But they'll be in our full preview of the LSU game in about a month from now. So uh, less than that actually. No more than that. More than that. A little over a month. Yeah, but, Versch, uh, I you know, we all saw on film the athletic capabilities, um, how he got after the passer and just his effort, you know, thinking back um chasing down that running back from Syracuse in some of that game film he had whenever he transferred to Florida State. So you kind of knew what you had. You weren't sure if he was going to be a starter out of the gate, but then you open spring practice. And I think what really opened my eyes to the fact that Verse is going to be a major contributor on the defense is just the dude's attitude. I mean, he's got that nasty mentality. He's coming out. He's talking to the offense. They're talking to him. He's putting someone on their back. He's letting them know about it. They're shoving each other after the whistle for a long time. He's got that nastiness where he wants to go out there and beat the guy's ass that's in front of him. And we saw it in the spring game. We saw it daily during spring practices. And if he continues on that trajectory, he's going to be a very nice piece off the edge for Florida State in 2022. And you've got to remember, this kid has three years of eligibility left. He's not, a, he's not a grad transfer like Jermaine Johnson. I mean, this, that's what I want people to notice. The start man. of something very special. Mm-hmm. And something I want I want people to notice that too. You're not it's not a Jermaine Johnson one year deal, seal by kind of dealio. I mean, you're going to have him for a little while. I don't think he's going to last all the way those years, but he's uh, maybe one more. Like, yeah, you would love to have one more too. But yeah, I think there's a lot to like about the defensive end room, and definitely if Pat Payne makes those strides this fall camp and continues to do that you feel a a lot more comfortable than how you were feeling first off heading into the spring. Let's jump over to now the linebacker room for Florida state. We talked about it quite a bit before really diving into it, but you saw some surprises last year, mainly from Kalen Deloach, which none of us on here were expecting him to blow up like he did on that linebacker room. You've got Randy Shannon coming in first year at Florida state, although not his first year at Florida State as we know he had an off the field um, assistant gig with Florida State as being an analyst a lot of players you know a couple sources told me you know a lot of players wanted to stay and play for um, Randy Shannon and I'm wondering if that is going to play any kind of effect into this upcoming season you lose Chris Marv he's off doing his thing um, at Virginia Tech as a defensive coordinator this room has a lot of potential. They bring in Tatum Bethune now from UCF, which you're hoping you can utilize him in a lot of different ways because he's a tackling machine and also can cause turnovers. Um, and he can be put in the right position to also grab interceptions, which is nice. I haven't had that in a little while. But Florida State's linebacker room is something that is continuing to have to be developed. Randy Shannon's got a big-time job on his hands again. But you bring back uh, DJ Lundy. You've got Steven Dix Jr., uh, you got Amari Gaynor there also. Um, you also got a youngin, and we haven't really mentioned a lot of freshmen and going into this fall camp, but I want to mention Omar Graham. I'm not expecting a whole ton, ton from him this upcoming season, but I do think he is going to get some PT this year. Um, but what, what are y'all's initial thoughts going into this room? Because I think this has always been, along with the offensive line on the offensive side of the ball, it's always been the same thing on the defensive side with the linebacker room. Yeah, the linebackers have been a, been a disappointment as of late. You know, you think 2018, 2019, 2020, it was pretty pathetic. And then 
last year, I thought you finally began to see some strides in the correct direction for the first time in quite a while. And some of that has to do with the addition of Randy Shannon. Like you said, Logan, it was his first year with the program. Now he's going to be your full-time position coach. And I do believe some of those improvements are directly on the back of Shannon, as well as just some of those guys in that room are pretty damn talented. And Florida State, they will be running that 4-2-5, so you're only going to have two linebackers on the field in most situations. seems like right now that's Deloach and uh, Tatum Bethune. And behind that, we'll just have to see um, DJ Lundy, Amari Gaynor, two guys that are going to play sizable ro roles in the rotation. And Stephen Dix Jr., um, Brendan Gant even, and Omar Graham. We'll see if they're able to do anything for Florida State in 2022. And, I mean, you look at Dix, the dude has an all-world body. You're like, that's an all-American linebacker right there. So if that light ever turns on, it's going to be nasty for Florida State and Omar Graham, all the potential in the world, very great showing in the spring, had forced a couple turnovers, impressed the coaches. Um, you know, so that room is beginning to trend back in the right direction. I don't think you went far enough back by starting in 2018. I feel like <laughs> the last time we had a solid linebacker was what, Terrence Smith? That's, you know, 2014. I'm, like, it's been a while. It's it's been a while since we can say we had a solid linebacker back there. And now we can, I think we could comfortably say we have two solid linebackers with with Bethune and Deloach. Y'all are being mean, missing out, Dontavious Jackson. Y'all are really messed up. No, I'm I'm standing where I, I'm standing I'm standing on my hill. Things have gone I'm downhill definitely. ever since he failed to recover that fumble. So I'm being a little ever since little he didn't just fall on the ball. I'm being a little sarcastic. Let me pick let me pick up this ball at the three yard line in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Anyways, Reggie. yeah. Reggie, Reggie Northrup was that same era, so that doesn't really count. Love Reggie, but same era. Yep. They're in that same, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, Florida State's linebacker room has got to continue to get better there. I mean, what we saw last season where some running backs just would go right through them almost. I mean, Will Shipley as a true freshman coming in from Clemson, and woo, I don't think fans want to remember what was going on. Shipley's a little bit different, though. Shipley's a little different. But that shouldn't be the case for a true freshman coming in, dog. Like, what? Ah. If, if it was nah. someone not Will Shipley, it's like, okay. But nah. Shipley's pretty damn good. Well, I, well, no, I mean, <laughs> like, put on a highlight tape, decided to put on a highlight tape against Florida State. I mean, they knew exactly what to do against a really weak core right there. I mean, you, the thing about Florida State, you got, you got Deloach coming in that, absolutely exploded but now you add in tatum bethune you feel good about those you know you, I, I wish they'd use gainer in a little bit different ways i i don't think any of these staffs understand how to use gainer are we all in agreement there i mean you just don't know where to put him i feel like they need to use him more for pass rush well, than anything he's a tweener it just seems yeah. like he's a little bit too too big to be a linebacker but then he's too in a little bit too slow to be a linebacker and then too small to be a defensive end so it's just tough to put him in the right position I don't think he's really in the right scheme. I think he's more of a three-four outside backer, and we run a four-two-five. Like yep. it's just, it's just not the right scheme for him. It's yeah. it's just really not. Yeah, it's all it's all over the place for him. We'll, we'll but, see it. They find a different way to use him this year. Bethune, I expect him to be an instant upgrade in that linebacker room. I had a UCF source that I talked with a couple of weeks ago. And he said Bethune maybe only he said Bethune may only be about five foot eleven but he can get you triple-digit tackles in his sleep. So we'll see if he mm -hmm. makes that a reality this fall. I think it's going to be between him and 
probably Jamie Robinson for that leading tackler battle. Yeah, who? Yeah, I guess Jamie we'll, obviously we'll, did it last year. Yeah, I was gonna say I was about to try to do a prediction on that, but we'll do that whenever we get into the uh, season preview and predictions later on after once fall camp is ending up let's jump over to the cornerback position before we get to safeties man i mean this is you're relying on some youngins here but you saw little flashes um in 2021 you've got marion cooper expected to be a starter along with kevin knowles you got greedy vance a transfer you've got renardo green who i think we are expecting to be a starter at corner demori tate sam mccall azare thomas you're relying on some youngins here, but it seems like Coach Woodson and Adam Fuller feel pretty comfortable putting them into this position now. What are y'all's thoughts with these with this cornerback room? I'm really not that worried because you know the two best corners last year were were Knowles and Cooper. You know, once they started getting game action, they made a huge difference. You know, if they can continue taking those strides that you know Brownlee couldn't make last year. You know, that makes a world of difference. And they're, they're both really talented corners. I, I wish Cooper would wear a different number. But, you know, both really talented guys that make a huge difference. And Florida State's known for their defensive backs, especially at corner. I don't know if these guys are at that level yet, but they have the talent. Well, Austin, this might make you happy. Marion Cooper, he's wearing number 13 this season. I, I don't like 13. Oh. I, I I stand by what well. I said. I, <laughs> I don't like that. Well, I never mind. Said thought he was going to save the day. No, I trust me. I know. I'm I'm I have the roster pulled up. Oh well. He he. Listen, he upgraded. All right, he went from 37 to 13. Yeah, yeah no, that was upgrade. definitely an upgrade. But you can you can find something better still. Got to earn it, man. It's still a young and still a baby. Got to earn it. But you know, Renardo Green, oft injured guy during his first couple years at Florida State, he looked tremendous um, for Florida State during the spring, not only in the tour of duty coming out of it in just fantastic shape, but then carrying that into spring practice and looking pretty solid as well. Um, Knowles and Cooper will both be starters for Florida State. But behind that, I am worried maybe about the depth of this room. You know, we'll see what Greedy Vance is able to provide the true freshman, Travis J. Um, Florida State potentially still looking into an, into an addition in that cornerback room. They're hosting the transfer from Jacksonville State later this week, and you know we'll see if both parties end up wanting to connect with one another and if he continues his college career at FSU. Um, I think that's a very that's a fluid situation right now based on Jacksonville State's um, graduation date, which might not be until early August. Still trying to do some digging into that while talking with Malik Feaster, but we'll have to see. I think Khalil's bringing a pretty good point here, and I'll be honest with you. Some of the things that McCall was doing, and Sam McCall during the spring was definitely impressive. I think, you know, Mike Ravel kind of had to slow down the hype there a little bit because the media, after one of the days, I believe he brought down two interceptions, one Can stopping you the comments. Tate Rodemaker, Tate Rodemaker, uh, got intercepted there in the end zone. And I know that is Rodemaker throwing the ball. Either way, you know, Sam McCall put himself in the right position. But I will say he's a guy that throughout the spring and a few of the other de- defensive backs had this too. But Sam McCall, out of all the all the guys in the defensive back room, was one that was pretty hip to hip to guys. And that already shows me his athletic ability. We knew that coming in. I mean, this was a very high profile recruit coming in. But yeah, I think people might be a little 
I don't think there should be a surprise if you see Sam McCall coming in and getting some playing time um, this upcoming season. I don't think it even is a bad thing to say that he would be coming in to get some PT, but I, I would not be shocked to see Sam. I know there'll be a conversation between Azare and him, but if there's a chance where, you know, Florida State's got a pretty decent lead, throw Sam in there. I think Florida State really likes what they have with Sam McCall in the future of uh, that young guy in the number 11 jersey since we're worried about the jersey numbers right now. Is that a good number, VZ? Loving good? Good number. Okay. Good number. <laughs> yeah, it was huge. It was huge for FSU to get um, McCall and Thomas both on campus for that spring because they both got a chance to get involved with things a little bit early and with how potentially thin this cornerback room is, they could rise up that depth chart during the fall. And one thing that both of them displayed, I thought, from tour of duty throughout spring practice was their ability just to compete. I mean, they're both two extremely competitive guys that are coming into Florida State. And like I mentioned earlier, sometimes a true freshman can come in a little timid. These guys came in with some attitude and ready to take someone's spot. They're both fighting to do that. McCall, Chad said it, former five-star Thomas, a, a former four-star. So these are two guys that have a lot of ability, and they're going to produce for Florida State. Maybe not all of it in 2022, but over the next couple of years, they're going to be some key pieces in that defensive backfield alongside Kevin Knowles and Marion Cooper. Probably the group that everyone is really looking forward to watching this fall camp is going to be that safety room. I mean, Damn. Okay. You bring back Akeem Dent. Okay. You also bring back Jamie Robinson. You know, Jamie was kind of feeling out the NFL waters. Florida State was able to help out a little NIL wise and, and keep maybe both of them too. You got to like this tandem, man. You got to like it. Probably one of the top, if not the top in the ACC, bringing these guys back. Akeem Dent having a phenomenal spring. I think out of every player on the roster, I think he probably had the top five best spring. I mean, from playmaking, during practices, takeaway. I mean, he's a takeaway machine, but then going during the scrimmages and things that we were hearing and some of the coaches talking about him, he showed out, man. And so bringing back Akeem Dent. And then you already know kind of what you got with Jamie Robinson. When he's fully healthy, he's a threat everywhere. And that's just what he brings to the table. I think those two guys, you know what you're going to get from them, but I think now there's going to be a really better mesh now because those are solidified starters heading into the season. And, you know, I think overall, too, Shaheen Brown is someone that I think maybe be might be a sleeper here that also really looked smooth in the spring. Um, you also got Williams coming back, uh, Jarquez McLellian, too. What are y'all's thoughts on, on this group, which you feel pretty dang good about heading into this fall camp? Yeah, I mean, like you said, this is definitely one of the position groups on the roster that I feel the most strong about. Jamie Robinson, Akeem Dent have it locked down. Um, we'll see, you know, Dent, we've we've talked about him a lot ever since he got to Florida State, and he could have had eight or nine interceptions uh, as a true freshman. And then things finally seem to come together for him the back half of last year. And if he can put it all together in 2022, you're looking at a guy with NFL potential. And you mentioned Shaheen Brown is a sleeper. I think Sidney Williams is a sleeper because when healthy, this guy was pretty pretty damn good for Florida State a season ago. I think maybe it was the UNC game with him and Robinson both at safety, and they were both just coming down to the box, stuffing the run. I mean, when those two, when those two guys are on the field together, they're just flying around, making tackles, making plays, whether it's in the passing game, coming up, stopping the run. They both fit really nicely together. I think they might have each had double-digit tackles that game. But either way, mm -hmm. 
um, so there's some at the top end, you've got two um, solid starters, and then you've also got some depth behind them, and you can't forget about Jarquez McClellan, um, who should be involved in that rotation as well. Hold up now. Hold up now. What did you just say? Jarquez McClellan? Is it? That can't be right. Wait, how do you we're gonna, gonna, we're gonna, bro, look, look, look his okay, name up. Just, Tell me how you just, say it. Just move past it. Look his name that, up. Tell me how you say that can't be right. McClellan. There, that's a little bit better. You're getting McClellan. Just say McClellan. You don't have to say McClellan. It's not McClellan. It's McClellan. I said McClellan. We'll, we'll ask Coach really. Woodson tomorrow. We'll use the like two minutes we get with Coach Woodson tomorrow <laughs> to ask him how you say Jarquez's last name correctly. But yeah, <laughs> no. I mean, I I think that's. I was gonna say real quick about uh, McClellan. I think the staff likes him because he knows the playbook really well. At least that's what I kind of got the feeling from from Fuller and the defense there and Mike Norvell that he knows of playbook really well. The physical attributes, they're not going to be on the same level as Sidney Williams and Nakeem Den and um, definitely not Jamie, but he knows the playbook well. So he's a really good depth piece in case you need some time out. You sub a guy in, out or a guy gets injured. You know, you don't ever want that to happen, but, you know, he's a guy that really knows the playbook well, smart guy. We're seeing it a lot in the NFL with, with these three safety looks. I, I I wouldn't be surprised to see FSU do it because we just talked about the, the youth at corner. You know, you have so many guys at safety that can produce. Put three of them out there, put one of them in the slot, you know, move these guys around, let them all get on the field. You know, at some point you just have to put your best players out there, and I think by far your best talent is that safety in that defensive back group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you definitely got some nice talent back there and – like a lot of the chat is saying too, you know, these are some hard hitting guys. You said it too, D. Lou. I mean, Sidney Williams likes to hit, and it sucks though. Throughout the latter half of the season, he wasn't fully healthy, and you know, just didn't get to see him play. So uh, having him back, can't forget about him. You know, we're going to talk Den and Jamie, but can't forget Sidney Williams and what he brought to the table early on in that 2021 season. Let's jump into some special teams to finish off this fall camp preview. Man, oh, man, I felt like there was kind of just a whole 180 on the downside from last year, man, on the special teams part of things. A lot of inconsistencies, dropping punts, putting yourselves in terrible, 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 terrible positions, putting your offense in awful positions. VZ, go ahead and say it straight up. What do we got? Please just field kicks and punts. Please. I'm begging. I'm begging. If, if nothing changed from last year other than we just field kicks and punts, I think we win two more games. I'm I'm so serious. We they put did. ourselves in a hole so many times by just letting the ball go by. We're starting at the eight-yard line, the five-yard line. Just catch mm-hmm. the ball, please. Yeah, <laughs> Anyways, I mean, go ahead. well, I was going to say, too, I mean, not like 2020 was, like, phenomenal, but you did see, okay, you know, this is something that Mike Norvell focuses on. You had the block kicks, blah, 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 you know, help win games that way. But I don't know what happened 180-wise with not being able to really do anything to put Florida State in a good position at all offensively on the field. Let's go ahead and preview. Let's preview kick return first. Um, you know, I think Florida State has a variety of options here. I know, d you've got, what, 11 names in your preview. <laughs> for guys that could come in and play the kick return position. Who do you think is maybe the top two guys heading into this? Because I think you got a mix of youngins. You got guys in different position groups coming in. Can you ban the chat again, bro? Come on. 
that's just someone chatting here, but don't distract. Remember, these are audio listeners too. So let's just don't, I'll take care of it. You do your thing. You can edit. <laughs> nah, I don't want to edit this. It's too long. I need to get this out before it's midnight. Yeah. I, there's, there's a bunch of different names. I think that could field kicks for Florida state. There was one easy one and it was Winston Wright jr. Who we mentioned earlier, over a thousand yards yeah. of kick return yards in his career two touchdowns scored a touchdown on a kick return last year and then you know of course that unfortunate injury happened car accident breaks his leg so i mean even if he is able to return and contribute to florida state this fall would they want to risk his availability on special teams still i don't know that they will um you got the tran the grad transfer from columbia mikey russo's who is being brought into florida state as a kick return specialist and he's the only guy now, from the Ivy League, let's go ahead and say that. But he's the only guy in Columbia history to record a kickoff return touchdown and a punt return touchdown in a single game. This is a guy that's joining Florida State as a preferred walk-on. So I think he'll definitely be right in the mix um, as a kick returner. We'll see if he's able to win a job, but he has produced in the past. And outside of that, you know, Keyshawn Helton, Ontario Wilson are back, Micah Pittman. Um, let me pull his list up. I've got Travis Jay on here, Ja'Kai Douglas, Trey Benson, Deuce Span, Lawrence Toa Philly, and Sam McCall. So I've got a lot of names in the mix for this job. And the reason I do is because Florida State, they tried out so many different faces at kick return and punt return last season, and none of them worked out. So you've got to have enough options in the stable in the event that, hey, we do find a top option, but he gets hurt and we got to go to a backup. Yeah. I think Micah Pittman, obviously, I mean, I know we're not, he's more of a short range guy. I and mean, I think he's going to be more utilized definitely in the punt game, but Winston Wright Jr., if he's fully healthy, I think he gets a shot. And we've got youngins. We saw during the spring get chances with Azrae Thomas and Sam McCall. Uh, you know, you've always got veterans back there too you can use, but I think the spring will, or the fall camp will be really telling on who they decide to go with. And I don't know. It's just just didn't look good last year, guys, and that's got to be a change, man. They put themselves in terrible positions. But Jordan Travis in the offense, back on their own heels on the on, on the field, it just didn't look good. And just and you know, I know you had you also have always had Travis J, but that's I think that's that's over with. Now that just too much inconsistencies. Guys, got to get some get off, man. I understand that you're trying to see the field and whatnot, but man, take off take off i mean i don't know it's just a little bit different than what you've had in the good old days when you had carlos williams you had kermit whitfield do his thing um shoot you had bobo wilson too i mean i don't know just like get off get i mean you gotta at some point you gotta stop watching because either way they're coming for your head get the f going baby i mean i don't know i don't want to say anything more but it just was <laughs> atrocious it was atrocious to watch last year it just seems and, then, like, and, then, and there was no changes. I mean, that was something where I put a lot of the blame on the coaching staff. There was no, there was no changes. We'd see the same thing happen. Okay, this week, complete disaster. Let's put the same group out there again. Complete disaster. I mean, it just could, was repetitive. Like you gotta, you gotta make a change there. Yeah, and you know, it it seemed like at times they were trying to go with maybe the most athletic option when you look at Corey Corey Wren or. Ja'Kai Douglas or Travis J getting reps at kick returner. And then when things didn't work, they tried to go to a more stable option that Keyshawn Hilton and Terry Wilson, who has been here for quite some time, and that didn't 
that didn't work either. So this offseason, you brought in three guys who literally this is what they do, and you get the unfortunate news with Winston Wright, which makes me just – I think Florida State will not risk him on special teams if he's able to return. Um, Pittman at Oregon averaged over 10 yards a punt return last season. He would have been, I think, top 15 nationally if he had appeared in one or two more games. So, And then on Florida State side, Ontario Wilson, Keyshawn Hilton, they both averaged four yards per punt return. Pittman over double that. So I think he probably is your starting punt returner. And I mentioned Russo's because that just seems like what Florida State brought him in to do, which is contribute on special teams as a returner, and he'll be in the mix to win that job. Mm -hmm. And to this one commenter's point about kickoff return, Kermit Whitfield was the last kickoff return touchdown. Was it really? Yeah, I, yeah, I just went through uh, college football reference. <laughs> yeah, that's the last one. When was the last punt? The last punt return was 2018 with DJ Matthews. Oh, God, I remember that. Uh, yeah, 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 I do remember that one, which was, I it's, don't know. How did that happen, Miracle so City? To, to, to sum it up real quick, it's been a long time. <laughs> wow. It's been 2013 since Florida and a national championship. That technically 2014, technically, but you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Got to see uh, some improvements at some point. Some point. That is, that is definitely bad. That's probably the most dropping. As long as you average <laughs> over four yards per punt return in 2021, you will have improved. <laughs> we want a little bit more than that, D. Lou. We want a little bit more. That's all we're asking. Yeah, no, that was definitely a really bad thing to hear there, obviously. So Florida State's got a lot of work to do there. Obviously got a lot of work to do. We talked about kick return. Let's talk pun return real quick. Micah Pittman, <clears throat> I think expected here to be your starter. Uh, he did it at Oregon. You can tell he's got really good vision. Uh, and I, I think Florida State kind of knows what they're working with there. Not much to talk about outside of that. I mean, maybe some backups, but that'll be something that we can talk about whenever we're going through fall camp and say, hey, here's behind Micah Pittman. But with Micah Pittman, you got to like what you see. Got good vision, like I said. Kind of, he's kind of wide receiver that has the running back kind of uh, talent, and he knows to navigate through guys and understand when blocks are coming. So this is why Micah Pittman's put in this position, and you would like to see Micah Pittman bring gain some yards down there to put the offensive put the offense in a really good spot. That was one of the worst things to see last year, where some of these returners would put them in a terrible spot, let the ball drop down in the top, in the five yard line. It was absolutely hard to see if you're a Florida State fan. Let's see if Micah Pittman can bring that experience and utilize some of his skill set to to put Jordan Travis and that offense in a better spot. Yeah, it was it was straight up ugly at times from Ontario Wilson and Keyshawn Heldon when it came to just trying to field a damn punt last year. And like I mentioned earlier, now you get Micah Pittman, a guy who averaged double what they did uh, when it came to punt return yardage. I think he definitely slots in instantly as your starter. Russo's potentially be involved there as well. He averaged, I think, 12.5 yards per return or at least double digits during his career at Columbia. It wouldn't surprise me if Florida State tries to take some advantage of Sam McCall's athletic prowess on special teams as well. He returned a couple punts in the spring game. I could see that continue into the fall. Then kicker-wise, you've got Ryan Fitzgerald, which, you know, that's a lot of work on the, you know, inconsistency uh, aspect of things. If, you know, he's got a leg, he's made kicks, but being being able to build some consistency there is, I think, 
one of the big things that Florida State special team staff um, is working on to build there with him. Um, and then you go on the punter side, you got Alex. The Aussie, say it. Go ahead, say it, Dustin. Let me take my headphones off. Hold on. <laughs> the punter from down under. I still heard it. Yeah, he still heard it. But the punter from down under with Alex Mastromano coming in. Mastromano. I know it. I think I, it's Mastromano. Mastromano? Mastromano Mastromano? That might be another thing that we can maybe ask. Why would there be why would it be Mastronimo? That doesn't Mastrama even no. No, M-A-N-O. Anyways, that's really where we dial into the real good research and analysis from us there on the special teams for kicking wise. But yeah, inconsistency. I remember Fitzgerald being worse last year, honestly. Like and like looking at it now, he was 10 of 13 on field goals. I feel like it's just all of his misses came in big spots. I mean, obviously the end of Notre Dame was the big one. Yeah. But he also missed three extra points, and you just you can't really be having that. I get it's moved back now, but you know, missing three is a little inexcusable. Yeah, he, he definitely, and I think maybe that goes into the 2020 season because a lot of us remember whenever yeah. Fitzgerald and Parker um, Growth House were splitting time and. I think they both struggled because how do you how do you get any consistency as a kicker whenever you're just constantly flipping with another player? I mean, it was just miss after miss. They were then, both four out of seven that year. Yeah, so it wasn't that good. Last year, Fitzgerald goes 10 of 13. Like you mentioned, the miss against Notre Dame. He, he, he made three of his first five field goals during uh, the first three games of the season. Then he hit that game winner against Syracuse. Afterwards, he goes seven of eight on field goals for the remainder of the year. 37 of 40 on extra point tries. And I thought this was interesting whenever I was doing the research for our special teams preview article on the site. But whenever James Rosenberry was Fitzgerald's primary snapper, he went seven of eight on field goals and 25 of 26 on PATs. So there's the wow. answer. We'll Look see at if this. that combination continues into the fall. The this Rosenberry a- hive lives on. This is where the listeners up here, the spear really gets spoiled here with some really good statistics. Wow. Look at the analysis from D. Lou. This is where we finish it off at the nighttime. I came prepared. This is how we finish off the show here, man. Get some statistics from the consistencies of the tandem of a snapper and a kicker. And we have really hit the peak here. I'm just saying the, the sky, the sky is the limit. All right. They're going to keep improving. You look over on the other side for Master Mono. This is a guy. Hasn't had a touchback since the very first game of his true freshman season against Georgia Tech. He's 42, yeah, 42.7 yards per punt last year with a long of 65. And about 20% of his attempts went for over 50 yards, 8 of 61. Actually, I don't think that's correct at all. 8 of 61? <laughs> Not. <laughs> Not quite. That's more like 14%, but either way, eight of his 61 attempts went for more than 50 yards. We'll see if you can improve all that this year. I didn't major in math. I majored in editing, writing, and media. So, And it took him eight years to do that. So Six and a half. <laughs> Six and a half. Oh, my God. That might have been the soundbite for the intro. <laughs> <laughs> that might have been the soundbite for it. Oh man, but I mean, this was a two and a half, almost two and a half hour podcast. So we've kind of hit our, we've kind of hit the point where let's just get to a friggin' practice, please. So, wow. Yeah. I mean, big time fall camp for definitely special teams as a whole. Um, 
you know, I think you got what you got with the defense. Really excited for that group. And then offense, I think, has, has a little bit of question marks. So it's, I, I think, overall, though, you're hoping, you know, Jordan Travis stays healthy this season, guys. That's something that we'll talk about in our season preview whenever fall camp gets close to wrapping up and we start previewing Florida State versus Duquesne in week zero. But, you know, JT staying healthy and can Florida State replace what Jermaine Johnson and Keir Thomas did there? And can the wide receiver room revamp, you know, as you did it and you brought in guys, but can it truly be done and have success on the on the field on Saturdays? So we'll see. Um, I do want to note on here too, before we get off, uh, I know there's a few comments in here noting on Nate, you know, our co-host on here that has been here for two years. He's no longer with the team. I wanted to kind of note that before we hopped off on here right now, it will be just the crew D Lou and VZ VZ continuing to do phenomenal basketball coverage for us over there at Noel gaming sports illustrated. And then Dustin, our editor in chief doing a really good job there on football side of things, along with recruiting. Um, we'll see if we have any kind of changes coming up soon with, with the podcast front, got a few ideas in mind, but right now I know that us three, we get along well, we, we pick on each other, but a uh, really good crew here to hopefully hold on, hold things down for us heading into this 2022 football season, which is going to be a really fun ride. We are planning on doing, I believe, a quick recap from Florida State's first fall camp practice. I think that might just be Delu and I, just depending on VZ's schedule. But uh, we're going to do maybe just maybe a 20, 20 minute, 30 minute max kind of instant reaction to Florida State's first fall camp, which begins on Wednesday. So look out for that. We'll, we'll do it live stream, too, so you guys can hop on here and comment and ask some questions. And then we also going into tomorrow, we have a press conference from Mike, Mike Norvell and we will be getting quotes from all of the assistant coaches, too. So that'll be really nice. We'll be putting out a lot of content left and right for you guys heading into a big week ahead along with 20 practices and 25 days. So get ready for a wild ride of God knows what on this show. I don't know. We're, we, we've got a long time of just being with one another. So you guys excited for that? I, I guess. Are you going to keep paying me every month? That'll yeah. Well, with Whataburger too. I mean, that'll I dictate my level water. of excitement. <laughs> Yeah, I think I will. VZ's more, you know, he's a basketball guy, but now I think we're got to get him more in the foot. I mean, he already is in the football side of things, but now we're going to get him really fully focused in here. Let, let me get a couple of basketball notes in. Okay. You know, I did all right for two hours. <laughs> let me get two minutes. Of did all right for two hours. Let him get three minutes. <laughs> um, shout out John Butler, 25 points. Perfect from the floor in his final summer league game. Um, considering some of the Poland. Correct. He didn't really play pretty much all summer league and then for some reason's final game, 25 points. Fiondu Cabangeli, two-way deal with the Boston Celtics. I know Dustin was pretty happy about that. He hooped all summer league. You know, we, we talked about it, you know, not summer on a podcast, but he played really, really well in Vegas. Um, and then last thing, the team is taking their international trip to Canada. Um you know, NCAA and college basketball every four years they get in some kind of international trip. When I was working with a team, we went to Jamaica. It was an awesome experience. Really gets the guys to gel together. They get some time, some chemistry, and especially on a team like this, there's so many new guys. It's going to be big for them. You know, they were talking about going to the Middle East, going to Qatar, going to Dubai, something like that. And they're going to Canada, which, you know, I think it's really going to help. <laughs> Damn. It's going to help more with recruiting than anything. Um, 
because I mean, we, we saw them get Tenor Ingham from, from Canada. Um, I believe they'll be going the first two weeks of August. I don't know the exact dates. I'm still trying to finalize that, but I know they'll be playing Carleton University in Ottawa, August 8th. I'm about to say, where the God, I wish I was on the basketball squad. I'd travel everywhere, freaking Dubai. What are we doing here? Well, that, 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 it was, it was being de- debated, you know, like it was, it was one of the final options was, was going to the Middle East and then somehow landed on Canada. <laughs> weren't they, weren't a lot of the former guys though in Vegas together? Like yeah. A week ago or, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of former guys there between not like not even guys that are, you know, in the NBA now, like Chris Kamaji was there. Brian Angola was there for a little while. Um, cool. Terrence Mann, you know, obviously he's in the league now, but he's not playing on summer league. He, he was there. Trent Forrest, who I don't believe has signed to a new team. He was out there. A um, lot of, lot of former Noles there in Vegas. Good stuff. I love seeing that. Definitely tell I me mean, Leonard built, builds it from the bottom up, but the relationships and the camaraderie that they all have, they all love each other. But I saw that that picture was awesome with all of them together in Vegas. <laughs> and and tr- the, one of the guys in that picture was a former manager from my time there too. It's not just the players. Like mm-hmm. This is a, it really is a family. Really, 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 really is. Where was your invite then? I was here in Charlotte. I'm sorry. Dang. <laughs> you know, I thought, you know, if I was go. in Vegas, I, you know, we should have, you should have brought, we should have sent you like eight mics and you just go sit in like a conference room in a hotel and you just have an interview and we just have stories going around. Yeah, that would have been phenomenal. You can't get Fee or Terrence to copy a flight with, you know, how, how good of friends you guys are. Terrence has been on the podcast before. I know. That's what I'm saying. You couldn't fly out to Vegas, come chill with the guys. I no, that's, that's too much. That's too much. <laughs> Even Trent. Hey, can you what pay about for my flight? Don't don't you don't ask him. You just slightly allude. No, to him. Like, just yeah, like Dustin no. does to me. Just I'd like love, Dustin I'd love does to me. make it, man. But that flight is just a little expensive. And he's like, oh, here you go, buddy. <laughs> no, I, I've never done that. I feel bad asking for tickets. I'm not asking for someone to pay for my flight. No. Yeah. It's all right. That's all right. VZ's VZ's a good guy. VZ's a good guy. And we got the we got the hotel book, guys. We'll be in New Orleans. So I think we're gonna figure out a bar to go to once that comes closer for all of us to go meet up with you guys. We will not be doing that on that Sunday night. We'll do that on like a Saturday so we can have a full day or a little bit of recovery because man oh man, I can't with, with y'all y'all are crazy between the discord y'all youtube and facebook if we meet y'all at a bar i have a feeling we're gonna be in a really bad state so that might have to be friday night i don't know some of these hangovers now that i'm getting older it it hits differently it's hitting differently i can't drink these natty ices anymore can't yeah please what. please make it a casino because i'm trying to make some money on roulette at the expense of other people so <laughs> i've got a i've got a real system i've I quadrupled my money in boston so we'll see if it continues that's what a gambling addict's mind tells them, and then they lose it all the next time. Well, and, and, and that night, to make it up, he'll bet on Russian soccer. <laughs> Russian soccer, yeah. We did have a really rough time there for Dustin there for a bit. Uh, <laughs> all right, streak. Yep, exactly. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us. This was the 2022 fall camp preview here on Here the Spear presented by NoelGameDay.com. We deeply appreciate everybody in here hanging out with us this offseason. This was a fun ride. A lot of new people here in the comments, too. A really, really fun last couple of months. Now the fun really begins, and we get to talk some actual football practices, getting ready for what is going to be a really – Hopefully exciting and optimistic, improved 
team heading into this 2022 season. Third year for Mike Norvell. We will be talking to him tomorrow morning. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Noel Game Day. We got our official Twitter back at Noel Game Day. If you want recruiting, we're at Noel Recruiting. If you're in the Discord, say what's up to us. It's free to join down in the link below. And if you're on YouTube right now, if you hung out with us this long throughout it, it would be deeply appreciated if you just simply hit that like button or subscribe or both. We would uh, definitely thank you a ton. Everybody, enjoy the rest of y'all's week. We will talk to you guys on Wednesday night, recapping the first day of fall camp. See you guys. Not the same word, I'm a 17